Tuesday, September the 21st, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What She Said Podcast. Got a little uh, Dodger talk with Ben coming up for you. Dodgers have only 12 games left in the season. They've already clinched a playoff spot, but will it be a wild card berth? Or will they finally be able to jump up over the Giants, who also have 12 games remaining, Dodgers chasing them uh, behind by just a game. We're going to recap NFL Week 2 in just a minute. We'll get into some Wednesday racing. We've got best bets for Indiana Grand. Thursday, some best bets for Churchill Downs. I'm not going to have the full deep dive into what if with Tim on this episode quite yet. Just we just weren't able to connect to uh, to record that. So I am going to give a couple of my thoughts on it though for some of you who just need to scratch that what if itch. And then on either the next episode, but probably next week, I will have double uh, deep dives of episodes 6 and 7. Because I think on our episode coming up later this week, it, we may already be so packed and packed full that we, I don't think we'll be able to get in a, a deep dive of, of what if, but I promise we'll get both of those coming and we will share some what if thoughts of uh, episode six in just a few. We'll get into ugh, this one, Andrew Champagne. We, you know, we watch, we do the, uh, the old wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, myself, and we'll each take turns picking uh, an old wrestling show that we rewatch and we go through, we deep dive it, we talk about every match, and most of the time we pick fun, important shows or historical shows, and Andrew just loves torturing us. We went to WCW New Blood Rising, and this was just a horrendous show. What a bad show. 2000 WCW New Blood Rising. We're going to recap and do the deep dive into that. Although sometimes the the shows that are the worst to watch are the most fun to discuss because it's just like, oh my goodness, everything was awful. And uh, we, yeah, we yell at Andrew throughout this episode that is brought to you by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. That's the Twitter handle. Better Than Dot Vegas is a website that provides you free handicapping and gambling content from a ton of different gamblers all around the world. They share their analysis, selections on the games, totals, props, individual plays, every sport you can imagine. People from all over the place. Old, young, different folks sharing why they like certain things, what they are playing. And that's just at the website. It's free for everyone to to check out. You'll see videos for me posting. Um, and I haven't been posting as many videos. I was posting a lot of baseball plays earlier because I've been doing a lot of the live streams that you can find for free if you follow at BTV Bets on Twitter. If you follow me, it's me, Gino B. You'll also see them. If you're a football fan... We will do a preview of every football game this year. Every Monday night game, we have a preview at 7 o'clock Eastern time for about 30 minutes or so, leading you up to the Monday night game. And we talk about the total, uh, you know, spreads. We go through individual player props. I'll give you the news. I'll share some analysis, some stuff that I noticed on the rewatch. I rewatch every game and read through a lot of different articles, looking at... You know, DVOA rankings and stuff from Football Outsiders, from Pro Football Focus. I'd love to share all that with you. You'll get a you know similar analysis as you'll get when you listen to the NFL preview shows here that we do with Eric. 
And so every Monday, 7 Eastern, every Thursday, 7 Eastern, previewing the Monday night game and the Thursday night game, then every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, Eastern, we go through the entire game slate for the Sunday football. Everything there is free, better than .Vegas. Now, if you follow them on Twitter, every night you'll notice that they have wager giveaways. They will post a wager that they're going to make. All you have to do is follow and retweet their account, and then every day they pick someone that gets that wager. If the wager hits, they send you the money. Easy as that. If you play a lot of football, sports, college, baseball, uh, college football, baseball plays, basketball plays, if you're watching a lot of sports, follow them because you'll be able to get some action some nights for free. If they pick you, you'll you'll have the opportunity to win money. And we're usually talking anywhere from hundred to you know four or five hundred dollars, depending on what the wager is. They'll they'll pick you know a game to wager. Sometimes they'll bet on the the underdog long shot. If you win, you get you know you get the cash at BTV Bets. Hang out with us for the live stream schedule, leading you up to. All of the NFL games, like uh, NFL Week 2 that we just finished up with a Monday night game where Green Bay was able to bounce back. Didn't look good, didn't look great in the first half, still figuring things out, but they turned the dial up a little bit. They ended up winning 35-17. They shut out Detroit in the second half. and uh, So, at least for now, all is okay in Green Bay. Uh, last week on Thursday... The start of week two, Washington got a win in a pretty exciting Thursday night game. They uh, they ended up beating the Giants 30-29. to Then jumping into Sunday, a lot of big injuries to quarterbacks. We had uh, the Bears able to hold on against the Bengals team that really struggled with Joe Burrow early on. Uh, the Bengals, you know, try to make a game out of it late. Chicago's defense played really well. Andy Dalton ends up getting hurt there. We did see Fields who, yeah, you know, it's tough to just get thrown in, but he didn't... He didn't look that great. A couple throws here and there. He did look like he maybe isn't quite ready to rock. But, you know, you never know. Maybe a, a week of getting uh, reps and a week or two of uh, of being the guy will uh, will speed him up. Cleveland is able to beat Houston. Uh, Tyrod Taylor gets hurt in this game. So the first four games that we talk about, all of the starting quarterbacks for at least one of the team ended up getting hurt and we don't know if any of them are going to play this week. Cleveland wins by 10 in that game, 31-21. The Rams hold on 27-24 over the Colts. Wentz hurt both of his angles? Just bizarre. Man, he has bad luck. He just continues to get hurt, banged up. Ever since the the year when he misses the Super Bowl, it's just he hasn't been able to get any kind of consistency, sustain anything. Tua gets banged up as the Bills... Absolutely destroyed Miami, thirty-five to nothing. The Patriots beat up on the the Jets and the rookie quarterback. It was a battle of rookie quarterbacks, but Belichick against the rookie quarterback never really you know bodes well for them. So Patriots uh, beat up on the Jets and they get their first victory of the season. The 49ers, they win, but at what cost again they just continue to get decimated by injury this team over the last few years had suffered so many injuries and now again to their backfield all the running backs who came in and were getting some reps are all banged up they don't know what to do trying to bring in anyone they can they get the win over philly in a 
an ugly 17-11 game. The Steelers do what the Steelers tend to do. They sort of just like kind of lay an egg in a game you think they'll win. I just don't think the Steelers are very good this year, and the, the win against the Bills in Week 1 might have thrown some people off the scent. We'll see, but the Raiders go to 2-0 and as uh, the Raiders win 26-17, and, and this was an impressive win because it was a really bad spot for the Raiders. They played on Monday night at home in their home opener in a game that went to overtime. That was really exciting, super emotional high. Then you're on a short week, you travel across the country, you have to go to Pittsburgh and play in the morning at, at a tough place to play. Yeah, you didn't have Jacobs there. That's a, that's a good win for the Raiders, that is. The Carolina Panthers, I'm going to say my Carolina Panthers. I've been high on these Carolina Panthers. And we start the year 2-0, and we mean Carolina. They beat up on New Orleans. This was another one that looked just like a bad spot for New Orleans. And Carolina's defense is legit. Sam Darnold's been steady. He was over 300 yards. Did have a bad turnover, but as long as you minimize those, they'll be in okay shape. Carolina off of a 2-0 start in one of those games against the Saints. It's a great start to the year for them. And then right next to them at 2-0 is Denver. They beat up on a couple bad teams. Yes, they beat Jacksonville 23-13 and pretty handily. But Denver, it's what you want to do, right? You want to win the games you're supposed to. They start this year 2-0. A lot of games over the last couple years that Denver should have won, could have won, and they end up losing so far. They won two games this year that on paper they were supposed to win. Arizona survives, and let's be honest, this was more like, this was Minnesota missing a field goal. He missed a 37-yard field goal to win the game. Minnesota should have won this game. This was a good, fun football game. We had some good games a little later on in the in the day. This game was one of them. We had Kyler Murray over 400 yard, or at 400 yards and a ton of points scored in this one. Then in Tampa Bay beat up on Atlanta. Never really close, 48-25. But Arizona holds on, uh, so they're 2-0 now. And then we had the Chargers-Dallas game. That was just a field goal game. Dallas ends up winning 20-17. We had the uh, overtime game with Tennessee and Seattle. Tennessee goes over to Seattle and wins after looking really bad last week. You got Baltimore who everybody thought the sky was falling because you know they lose that week one game. They end up actually beating Kansas City. So we've got the Rams at 2-0. We've got the 49ers, the Raiders, Denver, Carolina, Arizona, and Tampa with two victories so far. And what's great about this week is it the all almost all of those overreactions came through, right? The Saints who crushed in week one, they didn't win in week two. They didn't cover. And the team that they crushed, Green Bay, comes back and wins their game nicely, 35-17. So opposites in both of those games is what those teams ended up doing out of their game there. The Vikings, who looked you know, bad offensively, a lot of penalties. They lost to the Bengals. And they end up playing against an Arizona team that was maybe the most impressive. Their defense was incredible. This week, Arizona gives up 33 points and has to have a field goal kicker miss a 37-yard field goal in order to win, and Minnesota covers that game, and Arizona doesn't. You get the Bills who, you know, the Bills-Steelers game, 
everybody thought, oh, wow, the Bills, maybe they're not as good as we thought. They come back and win 35 nothing. Then the Steelers, everybody said, oh, yeah, maybe the Steelers, they're legit. They lose a game to the Raiders where the Raiders had everything going against them in this in that one. And you get the Titans who got their doors blown off. They go up to Seattle and win on the road. It's great. Kansas City, you know, or, you know, Kansas City loses to a Baltimore team who just lost to the Raiders, who people thought, you know, was a, a team that's had some injuries and didn't look like they were going to match up well at all the way they blitz and Mahomes is so good against the blitz. So it's great about the NFL and sports, right? You just never know. Any of those games that look a little too easy on paper, they feel a little too easy on paper. There's a reason. It's never easy. Except it's easy for you to save money over at sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com because when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Our friends over at Sarah Candles have all natural soy wax candles. That means there's no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. That's what a lot of the other leading candle brands have. With these soy wax candles, they're going to burn longer for you. They are affordable, locally based, handcrafted in the USA, Good buddy Tyler Herringer over at sarahcandles.com is going to take great care of you. You have a ton of different options there for different scents, three different sizes, and that promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. Holiday season's coming up. Perfect time, right? You're going to be getting into the uh, the fall here. Then we're going to get into Thanksgiving and then into Christmas Candles are a great gift But you want to have different ones for different seasons When the moods change Check out sarahcandles.com C-E-R-A candles.com We move into our next conversation I know uh, the folks at Sarah Candles And Tyler, big Dodger fans So with 12 games left We had to check in with the Dodgers One more time, see where they stood Before uh, the playoffs come And we do know the Dodgers will be in the playoffs They've already clinched a spot It's just unfortunate that where they stand right now, the Dodgers and the Giants have the two best records in baseball. Those two teams are both six games better than every other team in baseball, but they're playing in the same division, which means one of them will not lock in a for sure playoff series. One of those two teams, the Dodgers or the Giants right now, it would be the Dodgers who are a game behind the Giants. The Dodgers would have to play in a one-game Wild card, and sure they have a a Scherzer who's been awesome, and a Bueller, and a Kershaw, and a Urias. But in one game, in one game, anything can happen. Ben joins me. Ben's back on that's what G said to talk another Dodger segment. We're gonna talk with Ben. Ben Keenly, Dodger Ben, hangs out with us. We talk for about thirty minutes at everything going on with the Dodgers. Who's playing well? Who's struggling? We. Take a look into the final 12 games for both the Dodgers and the Giants. And a little bit of an update as to everything that's been happening over the last few weeks with the Dodgers. Kick back and enjoy as we get set for the end of the baseball season. It is the final stretch of the baseball season. Just 12 games remaining for the Dodgers. 12 games remaining for the Giants. So we had to do a little Dodger talk here. Probably get our, our last Segment in with Dodger Ben Keenly before playoff time And then we'll have to get him back and uh, and hopefully James too For a, a little playoff preview But Ben we want to be talking About a playoff Series and not a wild Card game and right now With 12 games left we're still one behind These pesky giants 
The pesky Giants. Thanks for getting my name right. I hope our friend James, your former roommate, uh, <laughs> did well, like a you know Sam Barnes type pinch hit home run situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, the the Giants just won't go away. They literally they either go up when they go down, they score in that inning, they take the lead, the last strike, the last out, pinch hit home runs, <laughs> two it's outs, just, bottom of the ninth stuff, just just. You just can't write it up. You'd run this over to a studio in Burbank, and they'd say, uh-uh. Eh, this, too far-fetched. This doesn't pass the smell test. Nah, um, the Giants, so, they were like, what, their over-under was like 75 I wins? Know. You know, let's mid-70s? Not talk about, let's not talk about projections. <laughs> Don, I know. We don't really want to upset that. our friend Don. But, um, He's really sensitive out there in the Midwest. The Dodgers are doing – so – they're playing really well, but I think from from a fan perspective and from from sort of where we sit, it's it's a little frustrating because we had that series where we felt like, man, we're coming into this series deadlocked. We couldn't ask for a better situation. We know that the Giants are going to have to throw bullpen games in two games, and in the other game, they're going to be throwing Di Scalafini, who the Dodgers have a nine plus ERA over, and somehow the Giants come, were able to come out of that series taking two out of three, and then. They grabbed a little bit of momentum. It felt like kind of shooting out of that series. I think they won nine in a row, like right, right out of that. They've come back to life a little bit. And the one thing about this Dodgers team is that's just kind of how they are built. And that's why I'm so confident in this team in a series, in a situation where their talent is able to sort of wear another team out, you know, right. Um, it, it just does one game situations or it's even the, the small series have been opportunities where this team hasn't, they've been a little bit disappointing in those spots this year. Yeah, no, that, that series uh, over Labor Day weekend, I actually traveled to the East coast and was up till 2 a.m. <laughs> local watching Will Smith play first base for the first I time know. in his professional career. And <laughs> as a former first baseman, it was agonizing to see that game end that way. Um, but yeah, like every, every time that, you know, you need the giants to lose, they, they eke it out, you know, seven, three in their last 10, um, they're crushing it at home. They're crushing it away. There's, there's just no, uh, there's Prime no soft reason. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's like, but to they, your point, you know, like obviously the, uh, the, the series is where all of Dodger fans want us to shine, um, keeping the streak of, I think it's been eight straight years trying to get it to nine. Um, like the, you know, old school Atlanta Braves in the 90s, uh, you know, big schmaltz guy myself. But uh, clearly, like the one game plan is, is not great. But you have someone like Max Serger who is otherworldly right now. He's better than we could have ever dreamt. He might get he's going to get some MVP votes. I, I read Molly Knight's column this morning. She's going to vote for him for MVP if she still got a vote. He's going to probably win the Cy Young. Uh, they have the depth in the front part of the rotation. You can set it up where playing game Scherzer, right? Hopefully he does everything he needs to do. Even in a pinch, you throw Bueller out of the bullpen or Urias out of the bullpen. They get through that game. They still have whoever they didn't pull out of the bullpen. Game one. Kershaw. They got got Kershaw game two. They got Scherzer game three. There's not even a, there's not even a world where Gonsolin needs to start a game in the playoffs, which is amazing. He'd be a third, third starter. I mean, you, Talk, and he's looked he's looked a lot more comfortable too. I think he may have had some injury issues all throughout the year because he wasn't quite himself as, as sharp this year earlier in the year as he was, uh, you right. know, last year. He feels good. Kershaw too. His his last start, you mentioned, you know, he, he's had two starts back now. His last start, he went five innings, and the best thing that I liked about that start, he had twenty swings and misses. 
in yeah, that out. Curveball looked great. Gonsolin came in yesterday on Sunday and gave up that home run for the kids' first uh, first hit home run. Mookie got the ball back, gave a gave a bat signed bat to the fan that that gave it back. Um, but yeah, like obviously the starter team ninety six and fifty four. Uh, plus 249 six, run differential. Six games better than every other team in yeah. baseball except for the Giants. Yeah, the I've <laughs> Bill Shaken today in the Times. If the Do- the Dodgers, the only time they would have a home field advantage would be in the World Series, which we are putting the cart infinitely in front of the horse right now. But yeah. just think about that. That has never happened before. It might not never happen again where the wildcard team gets home field advantage in the world series because the, their record is so much better than the opposing league. Um, but yeah, I mean, as good as the Dodgers have been, uh, you know, St. Louis has, has made a run and, and clearly they're three up in that second, second wildcard spot. And uh, if you're a Dodger fan since the last, you know, and you're an adult that has seen them play the Cardinals a bunch in the playoffs, that's uh, not a team you want to see ever, ever, Wayne, ever, ever. They, Wainwright was excellent against the Dodgers uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Not, not that long ago either. Very, very good. The Dodgers aren't quite as good with the, the breaking stuff either. And he, he was, He's been excellent with some of the off-speed stuff in the last uh, stretch of games since August the 11th. The Dodgers are 28 and nine, and and they have the best record in the National League by three games. The Giants are 25 and 12, Milwaukee 23 and 12, St. Louis 23 and 13 in that stretch, and the Padres are 10 and 24 in that same stretch of games. Uh, you know, the, the I saw again today, I've been pretty active on social media, I guess, and not working on a Monday. But uh, <laughs> um, so uh, the reason why the Dodgers got Scherzer is because they like Kyber Ruiz just a little bit more than Capuano or Capistrano or whatever the guy, the, the catching prospect for the Padres is. So like that guy that is this insignificant person, uh, arguably in the in the fate of, you know, Major League Baseball uh, has, has had such an insane impact on these two teams, at least this year and, and potentially, you know, for, for the record books, right. For the, for the history of the game. Um, so Nine, really since, since coming over, cause we've been talking so much about Scherzer recently since coming over to the Dodgers, nine games for the Dodgers that he started 58 innings pitched. He's given up 31 hits and seven walks in the 50, in the 58 innings. He struck yeah. out 79 in, in those 58 innings. He's only given up five earned runs. Two home runs. He has a .78 ERA, a 150 batting average against. But the most important thing of all, the Dodgers are nine and zero in those games. <laughs> yeah, and you know, That's just unbelievable. If, if you're if you're going into a one game situation and it's going to be at home, clearly, and you got that guy, like, I mean, they would be, they might be like a minus two fifty in that game, like if, yeah. for for our betting folk, like. They would be an unbelievable favorite uh, in a one-game plan, which should be relatively even money. Um, yeah, it's just been it's been so fun to watch this team, and I, I really think Major League Baseball just needs, even if, honestly, if the Dodgers win the division, they pull us out, and they have, you know, we're going to get into the schedule here in a minute. They definitely have the schedule to do so versus what the Giants are looking at. Mm-hmm. the The rule needs to change. It should be the top four, the top four records. Regardless, and irrespective of division, you can't are, you can't tell me that the Atlanta Braves deserve to be in the playoffs right now. They're not even streaking going into it. Four no. and six in the last ten, plus ninety eight run differential, seventy seven and seventy. Like, come on. So we're gonna watch Milwaukee sweep them, and like, like it, it just doesn't. It's not good. It's not good for the sport. It's not good for no. ratings. 
Uh, I would think many Braves fans wouldn't even say that this team deserves to be they're 37 we, and 36 at home. We like, need to see this in the NBA too. We talk about it too. You know, there's like silly division stuff and even some yeah. of the NBA, you know, they've been really imbalanced with the conferences stuff. There just needs to be a lot of these leagues and a lot of the schedules and a lot of the, 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 the playoff stuff. And this stuff was decided a long time ago and, and things have changed a lot. It's just, they need to sit down and have, have it. You need to look at this year in particular, because even the giants, right? We're not giant fans. We're Dodger fans. We hate uh, the giants. We hate the Giants, but mm-hmm. could you imagine how crappy it would be for a Giants team to be five games better than everybody else? And if the Dodgers continue to play really well and for some reason finish one game better than them, the Giants are going to have to go into a wild card situation where honestly, I think whoever they play, they're going to be underdogs in that situation based on the pitching matchup. They don't yeah. have a number one guy that's as scary as, you know, when the Reds can throw Castillo out there and he's pitching well like he did against the Dodgers the other night. He's streaky, but his A game is awesome. If Wainwright's the guy for, you know, the Cardinal, if it's one of, it feels like the, the Giants won't be able to quite match that in a one game, that would be real a real bummer for them. And I, I'd love to see it, but it's just frustrating yeah. from a, how good your year was, you know? Well, and the guys you think of, you think of the the guys that have gotten there them there that are you know toward the tail end, tail end of their career the Posies the Belts the Crawfords right these three guys that I thought were done two three years ago just you know coming full force to haunt my dreams in 2021 mm-hmm. um, it would be a really cum- crummy way for that you know I, I forget if any of them are kind of on their walk year or whatever that looks like but like man these guys deserve you know the the fans the, the fans in that city deserve. Um, you know, a full game series, uh, and not just this like one yeah, game kind of. I think it should just be a three game plan. It, I uh, totally agree. A wild card three is fine because yeah. it's based in baseball. It's different than the than a football sixteen game season. You play one hundred and sixty two games for it to all be on the line in one. The the three games, which was last year, which they ended up doing because of the pandemic last year, sort of felt fine. Yeah, no, and well, I mean, last year it was like, well, shit, we have to, pardon my French for yeah, the younger no. listeners, if that's what she said, um, <laughs> but we had to play the the Brewers, and it was like, well, the Brewers were like 500, and it was yeah. like this one versus eight, and it's like, wait a minute, like, Milwaukee's gonna, you know, that that was some of the more nervous, I was more nervous about that series than totally. pretty much any other series. They're playing with house money at that point, right? You, right. Whoever the Dodgers will end up playing in this wild card game or the Giants, if it's the Giants, the, the whoever they play is going to feel like, oh, wow, like everything they did got wiped away. And now we just have to beat them once and we're in, right. you know, it's and, just such a different perspective from which team you are. The team that's, you know, 15 to 18 games above the other team you're going to be playing. And then you would almost argue, I mean, you could go, you know, let's say Dodgers play the playing game, they get past it. Now they're in a five-game series instead of a seven-game series against the Giants where everyone would probably want to see the seven-game series. I mean, it's yeah. been great all year, and you're depriving fans of, you know, a better matchup for longer. But, um, yeah, I, I really think that the Dodgers have still what it takes. Obviously, they need to, you know, I think they need to be like, you know, 10 and ten and 2 down the stretch. We can chat about who, who they're facing. Yeah, let's talk they, about they that right now. Definitely they, have it in the cards. I agree. They got um so the Dodgers have twelve left. The Giants have twelve left. Coming up for the Dodgers, they've got three games at Colorado, three games at Arizona. Colorado is very good at home, though, keep in mind. Yeah. Um yep. and then they play three against the Padres and three against Milwaukee. What's nice about Milwaukee is they already no doubt have the division clinched, and they will have home field advantage in their yep. matchup clinched at that point. So I don't know if we're going to see any of Milwaukee's big gun starting pitchers. And if we do, it sure isn't going to be for a ton of length. Maybe you get them 
going two or three innings just to kind of keep them sharp, and then they get out of there. So that will be a nice three games for the Dodgers to end with a team that probably isn't playing for anything. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, it definitely sets up well. The only thing is that you know Dodgers have to travel into Milwaukee, but like you just mentioned, they go once through the lineup, stay sharp. The you know Council isn't going to sh- tip his hand on any matchups late in the game. Like they're they're playing chess for the LCS because yep. they know that they're going to get Atlanta right. Like they yep. know they're probably going to mop Atlanta. So why are you going to you know tip your hand on uh, a lefty lefty matchup or whatever Absolutely. it is? They're going to show really vanilla. They're probably going to rest some dudes that that need an extra day. Um, I, I don't see them wanting to play spoiler. It really doesn't. It it has no direct benefit to them. If they were going to play them in the NLDS, then yeah, sure. Like let's play it straight up. But and they're not going to roll over. But I, I just think that they play it safe and completely uh, agree. Yeah. So. It, the, so I think a key series is the one coming up right in these next few days for the Giants Padres because where the Padres sit right now, like we said, they've been struggling. They're three and a half games out of the wild card. They play the Giants. As long as they can stay within that two to three range, you feel like the Padres are still playing for something and they're yeah. still going to be going at their best. So I think, you know, we hope, fingers crossed, we want them to win every game. But if they're able to take two of three from the Giants in this first series, they'll probably still have a little bit more to play for in those final three games. Yeah, no, it's super true. I mean, the Padres, it's like it, you could write, you know, a thesis on this season for the Padres right. from the oh expectations gosh. earlier in the year to, you know, they're two and eight in their last 10. They're <laughs> fighting with each out. other in the dugout, Machado yeah, and, and Tatis, and they're, everybody's got hurt, and they're probably going to have to fire the coat. I mean, just yeah. we, we thought we'd be in a race with the Padres. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't be, have been shocked if we were in this sort of a race with them. I felt like. This t- the Padres are super talented. I thought they were going to be an awesome regular season team and take every game super serious, and then maybe be a team that would you know we we would still be able to deal with in the playoffs. But I thought they were going to come out pumped, and I not it's not that they didn't try. They just combinations of struggles, injuries, maybe not quite as good with you know with some as as they would like to be. <laughs> maybe caring so much about playing the Dodgers and not as much about everybody else. I don't know combinations of all of those things, but um, yeah, they uh. Yeah, they're in bad shape right now. Well, and a guy like Frazier, they expected a lot more out of him coming over, and he's kind of laid an egg pretty hard. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, Grisham kind of doing his best Cody Bellinger impersonation of oh, you know, we'll 182. And, you know, I mean, it's just not uh, – or maybe I'm, I'm looking at stats against Gosman. Sorry, I don't think Grisham's batting average is that bad. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just been amazing to kind of see them fall from grace and, you know – it. it they gotta, they gotta do us a solid. Get yeah, and get it, and get at least one. You can't get swept. Come on, Pods, do your best uh, this week coming up. Let's get into the, to some of the Dodger players who have been playing well, who have been struggling, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll get on out of here. The we talked Scherzer, we got to talk, and we talked Kershaw. Gotta give a shout out to Julio, man. Yeah, we've seen this kid completely grow up, and he was a kid that they had, they they babied. They never really wanted to mm-hmm. kind of. Let him go. It was always, oh, they're going to skip a start of his, or he can't get this, or a bullpen, or just shorten things up. And it was funny because I think last year in the playoffs, that was such a big moment for him being the guy to close things out and being the guy that everybody wanted to be out there. The, the, everybody, don't take Julio out. That's what we were all yeah. saying to each other. And Roberts was smart, and he did. And this dude closed it out. And it was like 
doesn't always work that way But man didn't it seem like that confidence That Julio probably got last year Completely carried over to this year Where he's now thrown 168 innings He'd never thrown more than 79 Coming into a season He is 18-3 and With a 299 ERA Just a major shout out to a kid That we've seen grow up from when he was a teenager And you sort of you know, he was sort of a forgotten guy for the last year or two because there's always that new flavor every year. It was Bellinger was doing well, Seeger was up and he was good, and uh, Bueller has just been awesome all along. And you just kind of forgot Julio was there for a while, and and it's sort of like him kind of r- sticking his head out in the back of the class, like raising his hand, like, <laughs> "Hey, remember me? I'm, yeah. I'm here too," you know? No, and you, you know, it, he's it, it was always that, like like you said, it was you know really handling him with kid gloves and just being super careful. He had the shoulder stuff. He had, you know, kind of all, you know, his eye thing that he had to deal with kind of growing up and in his vision, but um, just dominant. Like his stuff is just nasty. He's a, he's, you know, the, the new left-handed bulldog, like you just want him to have the ball. Um, but I, I totally agree that, you know, last, last year, you know, you could say, yeah, take it for three. Like you got it, you know, in that last game, it was like, he was cruising. They were not, they weren't going to sniff him. He could have gone another two, three innings and he was going to dominate. So it, it's been, you know, the, the thing that kind of sticks out in a stat line is that he, he gives up the long ball and yeah. uh, in, in playoffs with guys on, you know, he doesn't have a lot of walks, which is great. Uh, 1.1.03 whip, but you know, give, he's given up 19 home runs. Um, he's tied with he who shall not be named in that category, uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Again, the, their lineup or their rotation just sets up so well for really any matchup that they have, regardless of who they play. So it's really just getting to that, that five game, seven game series. And I'm not worried about him come playoff time, but I do think in the last stretch or so, we may have seen a little bit of a a fatigue from Walker himself because he's another, he's another one that coming into this year, Ben, he had never thrown more than 182 innings and he's already up to 192 innings and he had been awesome almost Mm -hmm. the entire year. So his his last three games, he obviously had the bad one against the Giants that that sticks out. But his last three, he has an ERA just over six and a 297 batting average against 19 hits, five walks. I'm not – see, he's such a gamer that in a big game, whether it be a wild card game or a playoff start or something, I'm not concerned about him in those moments with all the adrenaline. It's just maybe getting there down the stretch, it might be a little bit harder for him to kind of – Reach back and and get some of the good stuff that uh, maybe a little you know not quite used to this this wear on the arm. Yeah, I think you know high leverage innings and high leverage situations is definitely something that uh, gets brought up a lot, especially with a younger guy like Walker. And while you know he is younger, he still has been in these really really big moments, which you know, forever he, his whole life. He can, <laughs> yeah, he can do it, but it's like you know the wear on your body through those moments kind of extra you know, stress is that. Right. right. And so I think, you know, the, the game on uh, the game this last weekend against the Reds, I guess that was Friday night, you know, he, he looked fine. Like he didn't look bad. And then he just got touched up a little bit in the six, but they didn't hit. So like mm-hmm. that was a winnable, he gave them six yeah. innings of the one, last two one games run. were both yeah. winnable, just not quite as zero run one run dominant as he was earlier, but still putting the Dodgers in, in position to win games. And, uh, um, with uh, with a guy like Gavin Lux coming up, the Dodgers have been winning a lot of games. Ben, this is something you know we love. Cody Bellinger, the guy when he's playing well and when he is at his peak, his A game, B 
because of the skills that he has in offensively, defensively, the speed that he has, all of those things together. And he's not a stupid guy either. It's funny because you hear him talk. He's kind of got the stonery look. He always looks like he's high and stuff and people sort of think when you hear him talk after games or when you hear him like honestly talk, he's he's a smart dude. This guy has been a high level baseball player since he was in Little League. He was in the Little League World Series. He's not he's not just some guy that's like just running into you know, he, he's he been a cerebral baseball player His dad was a baseball player He's been around it It just, I think I've been really frustrated In the fact that he's not some big slow guy If you told me Pujols was struggling And he was, you know, in some situation Or a Pujols type player, body type I I get it Bellinger is fast There's just no excuse that he can't shorten the swing up And put the ball in play more than he has I think that's as someone who just is a baseball fan And likes the National League style of baseball Of getting on, bunting them over That kind of thing It's like when your parents tell you We're not mad, we're disappointed That's kind of where I am now I'm not even, I was mad and frustrated for a while But now it's just, it's like come on man Like You have to be able to shorten it up And just tap the ball to the left side of the field, and you're going to beat it out. Tap, tap, tap it in. You know, um, I, I think you know. Truthfully, this is on this is on the front office. This is on the coaching staff. This is no longer on Cody Bellinger. If he so, it's one of two things. It's want to or know how. He should know how to do it, and now it's want to. If they are telling him that, dude, Cody, just keep pulling off everything and try to jack it 15 rows into the outfield. That is a negligent approach. Uh, someone has to either he is resisting that feedback or he is not getting that feedback at this point. I hope Um, because to your point, these guys are unbelievable athletes. Uh, You know, I, I, you know, I would love to hear what Pete Rose would have to say in this situation because Pete Rose against the shift would hit like 700. Right. right? Oh, I know. (laughs) So it just makes no sense that, you know, you to your, to exactly what you said, you come up off the knob a little bit, you widen your stance a little bit and you just let the ball get deep and shoot it the other way. You do that three times in a row. Guess where that third baseman's going to go. He's going to go back. I can't cheat anymore. Right. And then you can pull off it all you want, dude. And in some of these, you know, obviously I'm not uh, too close in his, you know, expected batting average stats and and his exit velo and all that sort of stuff. There's got to be something that's telling them it's going to turn around, but the eye test, they're just really really bad, man. He doesn't look close. He doesn't look close. And that's what's frustrating. It's like, he, I I don't think he's going to hit the ball ever. I looked at his numbers and I was actually shocked that it's, since August third, or since since the start of August, thirty three games he's played, one hundred and thirty nine plate appearances, one fifty four. It's actually higher than I thought. I'm not even kidding. And yeah. thirty four strikeouts. That's way less than I thought. It feels like he strikes out every time. Almost. Well, it's no, it, it's the lack of quality at bat for me. You see a guy walk in front of you, you swing at a at an off speed pitch first pitch, that, you pop out right like. on base percentage, you're trying to not get on base at that point, in my opinion. And this comes from a guy who hit .052 in a summer league going into a senior year of high school. So I know know how it goes. And I was trying very hard to get on base in that that time of my life. Um, But yeah, like it's one of those things. And now, you know, he had that collision with Lux. He's got a rib displaced or something. And so now his defense might not be as, as good as it should be. So like, okay, then what is the real value that he's bringing to the lineup? I mean, he's amazing in center field. He's amazing in center field. He makes plays look effortless that are really tough to make. But like, you got to get on base. Like, you got to turn the lineup over. 
And in the playoffs, you can't just have an easy out. And that's what he is right now, which is crazy. He hit that, you know, he hit the game winning home run to win the pennant last year. And we're talking yeah. about a guy like that doesn't really even deserve to make the playoff roster. If we were really being honest. And, and he kept, we were, he was given another opportunity because AJ Pollock got hurt. And yeah. so now they looked around and there was, he, he was the guy it's, he still was going to get opportunities and he still was getting at bats. And it's crazy because he was has been struggling so bad that it forced the Dodgers to call up somebody who doesn't even play that position and yeah. who who wasn't even tearing the cover off the ball when he was up. But he has been recently. He has been recently. That, that's what's crazy. It was like, how the hell did you know that you were going to pull Gavin Lux up and he was going to hit 450 over eight games? He he went over the first game he came up and then in, and he's had hits in. Seven consecutive games. He's had multiple hits in four games. Uh, he's hitting f- 458 with a 552 on base percentage. And the, the great thing I love, only four strikeouts with four walks in those eight games. Just like we were saying, Cody Bellinger is not doing. Even if, right. you know, he's he's not hitting 10 home runs, but he's got eight RBIs. He's getting on base and he's helping them win games. There's no question right now who you'd rather have up to bat, even if he's not quite as good in the outfield. And you know what? He's been okay out there. Yeah. I mean, but it's tough to, I mean, look at Tatis. It's tough to learn on the fly. And it is game, man. Oh yeah. And in the playoffs, one big moment, you you misread a ball, you know, and it's a three run turn of events. Yeah. I mean, you get, but if you think about that lineup and you start to think about Turner bets and Lux, the speed that you would have, at different parts of, you know, the different parts of the lineup where a ball in a gap is scoring a guy from first, you know, like that, that's the type of stuff. And you need to get from first to third, get from first to home on these, you know, on, on these singles and doubles. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's really interesting, but it's not something that I'd feel super comfortable no. with. No, uh, especially in a one game playoff. Right. So you got a, <laughs> you got a yeah. one game play in, you're up two runs and you got a, you know, guy who's played, you know, 50 innings in the outfield. Uh, there's a cap. Yeah. You and, know? Yeah. So it's, it's a recipe for disaster, but uh, that's why they play the games. Right. It's uh, mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Just kind of shows you at how, how bad Bellinger has been that the Dodgers are willing to maybe sacrifice a run or two on the defensive side because he was just such a black hole and it's a bummer. We love him. Hopefully he can get healthy and get things fixed for next year because I just can't see him really contributing all that much right now with what he's been bringing. Two more guys I want to mention before uh, we let Ben go. Um, one who's also been struggling and then one who we got to praise a little at the end. So Muncie. He, you know, up and down, he goes through stretches like this. He's been chasing a little bit lately, and that's that's where I don't like what I don't like to see with him. He's had 34 strikeouts in his last 30 games, 35, 35 strikeouts compared to only nine walks. That number is generally closer to even for Muncie. Yeah. Yeah, but he's still producing. He still has eight home runs, 16 RBIs over his last 30, but he's only hitting 180, uh, 250 on base percentage. So kind of ebbs and flows of a season for a guy who was playing literally at MVP level for a while. I He's kind of another one where, you know, I don't really worry about him in the big games there, but a nice boost for Muncie for these last 10 games could really be the difference between the Dodgers finishing a game behind the Giants or finishing a game ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the game they played against the Reds on Friday in the first inning, Mookie, you know, gets the gets the double and you thought they're off to a hot start. And then Muncie chases the changeup. And that's, you know, a sign that Castillo has an amazing changeup because you never see Max Muncie swinging a pitch out of the strike zone, especially with two strikes. Um, But yeah, so a a guy like that, you know, 
playing first, maybe playing a little second. Um, hopefully he doesn't have to play much third and because that means JT would be dinged up. Um, but, you know, Muncy's been super consistent. It's be actually pretty amazing. I, I want him to have more than 35 home runs, but it'd be kind of amazing if he uh, ended the year with, with 35, you know, getting one more <laughs> and kind of matching his career total uh, with the Dodgers for three three years. Um, one one more guy. We're going to close this uh, segment out with the closer because he's uh, he's so polarizing. You know, he's he's much maligned by the fan base and he he and uh, I, I think I've I've said the through the last few years in that in L.A. sports, it was it was Kenley Kershaw and Kuzma who got all the crap. <laughs> You know, it was those K guys who it seems like every time something went wrong, it was blaming on one of them. And, you know, they always got the brunt in particular with the Dodgers. We're talking now uh, Kershaw and and Kenley because they were the ones who who really wore those World Series losses um, with the Astros and the Red Sox the most. I think they they were the ones that it feels like that kind of stood stuck with their legacy. And then people bitched and complained when Kenley was having a bad Two weeks. Now, let's be honest. They were bad. He had in a six-game stretch from July 18th to August 4th where he gave up 10 earned runs in five innings. That's an yeah. 18 ERA. This year, he has a 2-4 ERA. In, he has been unbelievable since that stretch. He And, and so, you know, we... We give him people give him a lot of crap, but I think you just have to be able to give this guy the credit where it's due because he has been insane lately, and he's someone who you kind of you know you take for granted, and then you realize some of the games that he's not available, it's like oh wait, Blake's a little not sharp today, or oh no, we don't yeah. have a couple other guys. Like, wouldn't it be nice to have Kenley to go to right now? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I we are a house divided. Over here in Doherty, I'm a I'm a huge Kenley guy, and uh, because I know that he's going into the Hall of Fame with a Dodger hat on, and he has you know been the best closer of this franchise's history. Um, my wife, not so much, but she's not on. Uh, that's what she said right now. So, uh, you know, I I always have supreme confidence in the stuff that he has, and and you can tell pretty quickly. It's like within a pitch or two where you're like, he's oh got wow, the stuff. that that thing's moving, or uh oh, like he can't find it. Here we yep. go. And he's done a much better job in the last year and a half of figuring out a way to get through those games when he doesn't have it. Be- before, like last year, he when he was not doing very well in spurts, it was like, oh, if he doesn't have it, no shot. He's going to give up three runs right now. There have been right. times this year where it's like he's fought through innings to to get the job done. His last 22 games, 22 and a third innings, He's given up only four earned runs. He has 28 strikeouts in that stretch to six walks. He has a 161 ERA and a 107 batting average against to bring his season long ERA down to 244, his whip down to 1.08 and 34 saves. Just another great year for a Hall of Fame closer, like you said. And he's going to get a lot of crap. And sure, like like every closer, you get a little nervous with. And, so, and sure, maybe he's given, you know, a few more base runners this year than he needed, but he's been excellent lately when the Dodgers have needed him most. He helped them close up and clean up a lot of games. Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting to, you know, I still have full faith every time that that door swings open, you know, developing the other pitches and not just the drawing on the cutter, having that, you know, slider curve situation that he's got. It's, it's good coming out of his hand. Um, And, you know, I just, I really, 
really think that the Dodgers have not just the schedule, but the team in place to to pull this out. And, you know, what a division win. You know, obviously the last few years, uh, you know, the Dodgers, they clinched a playoff spot last week and they didn't celebrate, right? Like they, they were just like, okay, whatever. Yep. When, if slash when they win this division, it will be the biggest division celebration that the clubhouse has ever seen because this has been an unbelievable fight. Um, it, you know, really rivals the AL East, what's going on out there. But this, this brand of baseball is really fun to watch and you just gotta, you just gotta always stay tuned. Like you should stay tuned to that's what G said. Oh, look at Ben. Uh, that's why I pay you the big bucks, Benny boy. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll uh, we'll definitely have to get you back in a couple weeks. Hopefully with James, we can do a little threesome action. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. Boy, oh, he'd like there, that. We, there we go. A little threesome. And we'll, uh, we'll be previewing a series, not a game. I'm very confident in these Dodgers. Come on, Dodgers. You got 12 games left now. Uh, you're one behind now. All you got to do is just play some good baseball and continue to do what you've been doing uh, for the last couple months. Ben, it was a blast. I always, uh, you know, I'd ask you for a few minutes and then you give me a couple extra and uh, then we discuss because if we wanted to, we could sit here and talk Dodgers for hours and hours. Thank you so much, buddy. And uh, let's go Dodgers. All right, man. Thanks. Chief. Ben Dodger, Ben, Ben Keenly, Ben Coonley, Keenly there, Ben <laughs> Keenly hanging out again with us. We'll talk to Ben in a couple more weeks uh, when the MLB playoffs start. Let's see if the Dodgers can do it in this final stretch of games. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on. That's what she said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Big thanks to Ben for uh, hanging out with us, talking some Dodgers. We'll have to check back in with Ben and uh, our buddy James and talk a little Dodgers preview where they end up come playoff time. Just a few weeks out from the start of the baseball playoffs, and we're going to get into some horse racing now. Uh, This portion of That's What G Said, and anytime we're talking horse racing, we're thinking about Stable Duel. StableDuel.com is the website where you can go. You can check out the weekly schedule. You can check out everything new that's happening in the blog. You can go to the shop and get a look at the hilarious t-shirts that they have there. They're really comfortable and they're really affordable. They're not expensive at all. They are creative. You're going to get some laughs. You're going to get a double take when you're walking down the street and you will enjoy hanging out in them around the house because they're just comfy. StableDuel.com Jump in, check out that weekly schedule Every single day, games In the app, the app is totally free To download and All you have to do is pay the entry fee for whatever Games that you're going to get involved in A lot of times there's free games in the app So if you're ever looking for some action Check out StableDuel.com Go download that StableDuel app If you ever have any questions about How to build your lineup, what exactly you're doing A specific question, let me know We're going to likely be having more of those Live streams coming up again when Keeneland Starts for StableDuel Remember we were doing those for Del Mar quite a bit uh, Each and every week So yeah, we'll uh, we'll be having a good focus On StableDuel at Keeneland Coming very soon Get those entries in And play, race, win We're going to play race win on over at Indiana Grand. Let's go to Wednesday. Let's talk about Indy for Wednesday. Got to look at some horses. uh, We'll kind of keep an eye on and hope we can get the right price in the races. Two, three, six, and eight. Let's jump to race number two here. We're going to go six furlongs. We've got optional 15 claimers. uh, The seven was intriguing in here. Talking about a, a horse who's just really sharp right now. WW Candy. You can make a legitimate excuse for the race at Arlington Park. Just on the synthetic, maybe this horse just didn't like the synthetic as much because he bounced back out of there with back-to-back wins impressively. He's got the ability to sit off the pace a little bit, but he's not a stone-cold closer or anything. He's got nice positional speed. Look at his races this year. He didn't race from July of, of 2020 till May of 2021. Comes back, it's in the slop. He flashes some speed from the rail sprinting. And finishes a fine third. Gets tired. Of course he was going to get tired. He was coming off a long layoff. Then he tries the synthetic. You can just put a line right through that. Comes back with victory. And then a victory. And the way this race shapes up. I think he ends up sitting really nicely from the outside. You've got Game Boy Benny down inside. Which is going to force his hand a little bit. You've got Deyank. Who is going to be forwardly placed in here? You've got Oil Money, who's going to be forwardly placed. You can't imagine that Boom 5000 is going to be too far out of it, or Malpai. And Malpai can sit a little bit, but I think that may be how that one gets beat, and perhaps WW Candy can just kind of sit right off of the flank and uh, and mow him down late. We'd need around five to one to make a win wager there in race number two on the seven. WW Candy. We move along to race number three. We've got optional claimers going a mile and optional 25s, mile and a 16th 
on the turf course here. The one Jolton Joe is a little interesting just because it's a, a horse who's sharp, who should save all the ground, come running for a barn who's excellent off the claim. I did think the seven market off does uh, have a chance to steal this race, though. You, you look around and there isn't that much speed in here. The four sniper kitten, she, he's not really fast. He can just benefit when nobody else goes, but if you have a legitimate horse that's got a that's got a little bit of speed and they and they go, I don't think he's going to keep up with them early on. Let's see if Market Off can send hard and try to steal this race. We'd won around three to one. Maybe treat him like a, an early exotic single there in race number three. Let's move to the sixth race, Maiden Special. It's going five furlongs on the turf course. A couple horses to look at if you're playing some rolling exotics. The two fabulous Philly was a bit interesting out of that Arlington synthetic debut. Missed the break, got backed out of a tight spot, was way out of it, 12 lengths or so, and really did get going late. Showed good energy, was kind of splitting horses, weaving in and out. Question marks about the turf, but she's got some ability, no doubt. The six. I need a girl like you would probably be my top selection if she's a better price than the the two fabulous Philly. If we can get anything around five to one, I would give I need a girl a look. She was a little bit, she was not too far out of it early and then just kind of backed up and was still saving ground, wasn't in a bad spot. There's a little green trying to angle out from the inside and got things got a little tight in the stretch, mid-stretch to late stretch. I thought the effort was pretty good from the six. I need a girl like you. We need around no less than nine to two. You know, we want around five to one, though. In the eighth race, the nine. So this is a maiden special weight race going seven and a half furlongs on the turf course. I just think the nine American Diamond is is in a really good spot. Was favored at Kentucky, and that was the first start for Maker. And... You know, some horses just don't like the layout of Kentucky. That was the first start in a couple months. Now you're going to put two starts together. Not like you get any kind of a drop in class. You actually get a class hike. Not From a class perspective, this race is probably softer than that maiden 50 at, at Kentucky, where American Diamond was favored. So if he's anything around 3-1, to one, that's, that's probably some value in here. American Diamond, the number 9, in race number eight, so that's Indy Wednesday. Second race, the number two, uh, second race, number seven. WW Candy. We need around five to one in the third. The number seven. Mark it off. Need around three to one in the sixth. The number six. I need a girl like you around four to one. And in the eighth, the number nine. American Diamond. We need around seven to two or so. That's Indy for Wednesday. We're gonna get into Thursday. Let's talk a little. Churchill Downs. Before we do, want to remind you about our friends over at OldSmokeClothing.com. Use that promo code GINO. It'll get you free shipping on your order. High quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. T-shirts, hats, hoodies, zip-ups, long sleeves, names of famous horses, famous racetracks, slogans, catchphrases, custom design capabilities there at OldSmokeClothing.com. Promo code G-I-N-O. Gets you free shipping on your order. Let's go to Churchill for Thursday. We get to races 5, 6, and 7 is a where I, uh, I have a couple plays I'm looking towards. Fifth race, we got $30,000 beaten claimers. I did think the one Cave Hill, if you can get around 5-1, to one, he's worth a play. Now, he's the type of horse who 
you don't want to take lower than 5 to 1 on because he could have run dead last. But from a class perspective, he fits really well in here. He's run well on the turf and on the synthetic. He tried the dirt last time out. That was going seven furlongs. I think he's a little bit better going longer, as we've seen. He's a stakes winner going long on the synthetic at Turfway. He's one long in race that was actually removed from the dirt that was in the slop. So he's won on all surfaces except for really a, a traditional dirt surface. And he's trained on the traditional dirt surface. I just think... He's better than what we saw last time out. If that race was a total prep, then he could win this race. I just don't want to take too short of a price. He's a total wild card on on the dirt. But he drops. He's going to go second start off the short break. He saves all the ground. The new barn is just trying to figure out where he fits. Give Cave Hill a look if he's in the 5-1 to one range in race number 5 at Churchill Downs. That's the number 1 Cave Hill. We move to the sixth race. You've got Maiden Specials in here. And I thought Blunder is in a good spot. Blunder might be a little light on numbers and figures coming in, but does get off the rail and should just have the the tactical positional speed to sit a couple lengths behind some of the others who are want to get who are going to want to be right on the front end. And Blunder is the type of horse who I feel like he might just be able to just kind of fall right into it, a victory. You know, you're just sitting in third or fourth, maybe. A couple of the speeds go at it. You just get the jump on some of the deeper closers and you trip out. Let's take a look at Blunder. If he's anything around 6 to 1 or so, we'll make a win wager. He's 10 to 1 on the morning line. 6 is where uh, my value line is. We get to race number 7. Optional 62, non-winners a 2. I think it's a it's a good start over spot for the 8 windmill, who's 15 to 1 on the morning line. This filly won her first two career starts. Then she tried Stakes Company. in uh, she, One of them was a Stakes. She tried Stakes Company in career start number three again, and she got defeated that day. She was only beaten a length, though. And then she started to stretch out. She tried the Eight Bells, which was seven furlongs, and she hooked a really tough group that day. She came back and ran into a horse named Lady Rocket in an optional claimer. And Lady Rocket won a stakes at Charlestown next time out. She actually did faced older in that spot. She drops back in against three-year-olds, but she ends up going long in the Iowa Oak. So you can make legitimate excuses for her last couple starts. They were all going longer, one of them way longer, one of them against really tough company, another one against older. Now she's back to square one. Back to starting over. Back to six furlong. Back to the streets where we begin. She was behind Army Wife last time out, who was third in the Alabama. I think we're going to see Army Wife running at Pennsylvania this weekend uh, over at Parks in the uh, the Cotillion. Give me Windmill. Anything in the 6-1 to one range. I had this horse pegged as a 5-1 to one shot in here. She's 15-1 to one on the morning line. Let's give Windmill a big look. So at Churchill on Thursday in race number 5, we've got the one Cave Hill. We need around 5-1 to one to make a win wager there in race number 6. The number 6, Blunder. 6-1 to one is our value line on that one. And in the 7th race, the number 8, Windmill, who's 15-1 to one on the morning line. I had pegged much lower in this race, like a 5-1 to one shot. So anything in that range or, or over 5 feels like a fair price to wager on for me. 
That's Churchill Thursday. Good luck on Wednesday and on Thursday. We will have a ton of weekend racing coming up for you on the next episode of That's What G Said. We're going to talk a lot about that Parks card, and uh, we will have a guest joining us to handicap the Parks card. We'll get into some of the happenings at Belmont and at Churchill for the weekend also. So good luck on Wednesday and on Thursday. And then once you make a ton of money and you uh, you're looking to upgrade your home or you're looking to buy a new one that's when you contact cindy carava full service realtor over at cindycarava.com now she can help you out in many different ways buying selling leasing she can just help connect you with the right kind of people if you are looking for home improvement like a landscaper uh, like a gardener like a painter people that she knows well that she's used in her own home and in a lot of the other homes of the people that she's worked with Maybe you're curious about uh, a loan, getting pre-approved. She'll connect you with the right type of lenders that can help you out in that situation. And wherever you are based, even if it's not in a direct area that Cindy works, she can still put you in touch with someone that she knows and that she trusts and that can help you in that area. CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. That's the website. You can find everything out there, uh, out about her there, uh, all her listings, uh, past projects, things that she has going on right now, reviews about her are, are on Yelp and Zillow, all the contact information there on the website, CindyCarava.com. Look, when you're moving, when you're upgrading your home, when you're downsizing your home, when you're doing going into a new area, whatever you're doing, it's a lot. It's overwhelming sometimes. There are a lot of things on that checklist that you have to worry about. Put it in the hands of Cindy. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet, and she will be honest with you. The exact type of person who you want to be working with in a situation like that. CindyCarava.com before we get into our uh, old wrestling rewatch, I wanted to share a few thoughts about what if with with anyone out there who was tuning in for the the what if recap. So we will do our, our patented deep dive on what if for both of the next couple episodes that are coming out, episode six and seven. This one was uh, what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark. So spoiler alert, I am going to get into some of the things that happened in the episode, and we got to revisit Killmonger. One of the best villains ever in the MCU, Michael B. Jordan, back in the MCU, which I I think is telling. Because think about where we are now in the story and with everything happening in the, the saga of Black Panther. We know that in this series, we will be saying bye to Chadwick Boseman. I believe there is one more episode coming up that he has voiced and moving forward. You wonder if Michael B. Jordan is someone who we will see again in live action of the MCU after coming into this series. Because now with the alternate timelines, with things and the ability to go off into different timelines and perhaps bring other characters back, we may see him. And he's just so incredible. He really is. Just such a great actor. And a big fan of anime. As a We get some anime references here. His costume was based on a Dragon Ball Z character. So this episode of What If is happening during 2008. We get combination stuff throughout this episode of all the Iron Man and some Black Panther. uh, Also Age of Ultron. We see Killmonger 
saving Tony early on because he himself has a master plan that will help him take over and get the throne in Wakanda, which is what he's always wanted. And this is a great plan. Tony rocking the peace sign here. He sees that Stark Industry missile. And this version of Tony never gets captured because he gets saved by Killmonger. So he doesn't have the come to realization that that the other Tony does about what these weapons are doing and how bad they are. And Tony is actually a raving alcoholic still. Every time we see him in this episode, he's got a, a you know a drink in his hand. We yeah, this Tony wants to keep building bigger. Didn't have that time in the cave. Oh, we get a reference to the Ten Rings. We see the logo on Killmonger. They actually talk about the Ten Rings, the organization that kidnapped Tony Stark, the criminal empire. I just went and saw Shang-Chi the other day. Loved it. Caught a little matinee by myself. Haven't been to a movie in a couple of years since my, before Milo was born. Stephanie and I saw a movie, yeah, two and a half years ago. But enjoyed seeing Shang-Chi. And then boom, we get the Ten Rings here. Talking about the Ten Rings as Killmonger gets promoted to the Chief of Secretary of Stark Industries. So he and, and Tony strike up a bond. They become best buddies. Tony doesn't become as close with uh, Rhodey. doesn't become as close with Happy. Happy, you know, doesn't get the job, the Chief of Security, because that goes to Killmonger. Then the job of COO goes to Killmonger. And... The one thing I'm excited about is seeing the Shuri and Pepper team up at the end. And that was what was sort of weird about this particular episode is it kind of, it felt like as just as it was starting to get going, it ended. And so now we really know, because we didn't, before this series, we didn't know that all of these different stories don't have endings and they're all going to be building to some sort of finish. Because this felt like we were ending right in the middle of something and we definitely have have to pick up this story. Loose ends from every episode. Hell, we've we've seen Tony Stark die three times now. They're like smacking us over the face with that fact. Tony's dead. Tony's dead. Tony's dying again. We did see John Favreau, Don Cheadle in here. And in the uh there's a little montage of Iron Man's life. There was actually Robert Downey Jr.'s voice, but he did not voice the animated character here. So, I again thought this was good, and now I'm very excited in just assuming that we are going to get some sort of coming together of all of these episodes. And I look forward to deep diving with Tim coming up. Episodes 6 and 7, we will deep dive for you next week on That's What G Said podcast. Just Because I wouldn't want to try to squeeze it in a little later on, and then we have to cut stuff out. I'd much rather just give you guys as much content as possible. So we'll, uh, we'll likely have both of those episode recaps fully deep dived coming up next week. Now we are going to get into WCW New Blood Rising 2000. Andrew, thank you for this one. One of the worst wrestling shows in history. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Look up the results. Go watch the show. Read the blogs. Read any responses to this. The show is terrible. But I will say, it was it was fun to discuss because it's so bad. Hear us just blast Andrew for him making us sit through this show. But 
we will uh, we will make it worth your while if you did sit through the show because we're gonna have some fun talking about WCW New Blood Rising 2000. Oh yeah! Oh, wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. <laughs> It's time for the old wrestling rewatch And very happy to have uh, my good friends back together again DZ uh, on a vacation Traveling around after becoming uh, soon a, an Eclipse Award uh, winning owner and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. making, uh, <laughs> Thousands of thousands of dollars in uh, big scores in his own wagers He is back and uh, I love you DZ I love you Andrew But I don't have to like you right now I don't. You know, it's one of those situations where right now, let's be honest, you're a bastard. You really <laughs> are. And, uh, <laughs> and I say this because, uh, you know, Darren, I've missed you. You know, I'm sure, you know, you're probably, hey, yeah, I haven't talked to these guys for a little bit. It'll be kind of fun to come back again. We had so much fun last year and for a long time talking about these old shows. It was great. And then we've got this piece of hot garbage. To discuss no. <laughs> yes. I mean, all, all, all I need to tell you Is that a man? I, I told Amanda I was like yeah I'm, I'm back doing the podcast with uh, With Gino this week you know the wrestling thing She goes oh good we haven't watched an old wrestling Thing in a while I'll watch it with you what are you gonna watch And I said no 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 honey I can't do it to you Yeah I don't I even want like, to Yeah I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna subject you to it It is literally the worst pay-per-view of all time Just now, we'll get back to it next you, week If you think Anybody is exaggerating When we say it is the Worst pay-per-view of all time New Blood Rising Is universally regarded As the worst pay-per-view Certainly in WCW History there are moments On WWE programming That are worse you can certainly make yep. the argument that the pay-per-view where Owen Hart fell to his death was far worse. Right, right, but right. from a quality perspective, from opening bell to closing bell, there is nothing worse than New Blood Rising. It is the Plan 9 of Outer Space in the WWE Network. Uh, it's Plan 9 from Outer Space, actually, of from whatever. That's how bad this is. This is an atrocity of the utmost proportions. And I would like it known, it is not my fault we are doing this show. I am going to be like Snitsky after he punts the baby. This isn't my <laughs> fault. It is the fault of Grubhub and the Lazy Dog Restaurant in Concord, California, which prompted an emergence of Hangry Andrew on the podcast from a couple of weeks ago. It is also the fault of one Darren Zocali going on vacation and thus expediting my pick. Yeah, that's where true. Angry Andrew came that's out also, and everything wound true. up juxtaposing in and of itself. So, Darren, as angry as you are, this is at least partially blame, your fault. We're talking a Andrew. You get, you get like 5% of it, right? <laughs> a Andrew, to, to quote my father, the late, great Santos O'Calley, I'm not angry, Andrew. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> you know what? It's like, yeah, you know, there are some times where I, I have, you know, said that there are certain shows, like, I want to get through all the WrestleManias at one point. 
And you know, just like some th- that's probably in maybe the Summer Slams, like some of the bigger ones or Rumbles. You know, we'll hit the but this, the WrestleManias are the ones that I know there are some that are going to be painful to get through. And when I when I can tell like I'm I'm gonna go there, I'll always start to be like, I'm sorry, guys. You know, I don't want. I just want to get this one kind of out of the way. This is like homework. It's like a chapter of our our uh, curriculum that I'm just. I know it's going to be uh, miserable to get through, but I'm sorry. Let's just power up and get through it. Andrew loves the misery. That's the difference. He just loves seeing us suffer through this. He gets some some uh, weird, weird thrill out of it. Now, to be fair, I suffered with you. You did. No, let's no, you did. And you, and, you are not, and you are not pretending like it's not bad. That's the difference, no, too. We You're are not covering trying to this. pitch this as no. it's a good thing, either. No, so we're covering this. To appeal to the misery loves company crowd. And if there's ever been a truth in the internet wrestling community, it is that wrestling fans love being miserable. So this is my tribute to them. And you guys know how bad this show is. It is so bad that it is one of the worst pay-per-views ever, despite an opener that hits four stars. That's how bad the last 90% of this show is. So DZ, what what really makes this show worse than just like you watch an old WCW or WWE show from like the late '80s or early '90s, and maybe some of them don't have all that much action. You catch the wrong show, and it's just nothing exciting. That you know, nothing exciting at all that happens on this show. It there's so many things that are bad about it, like the in ring work. Is pretty miserable throughout There are a few things That you can point to that were okay You know and Then you get the Everything's a shoot They talk about the script Everybody going over All that crap that they just Not only is it briefly mentioned By someone in a passing of a promo But I hate that crap In my wrestling and I guess I'm a little Old school in that you know like We all are just Along for the ride When you're watching any other TV show You're buying into the story that you're tell- they're telling you And that's the same way that I look at wrestling When I go to the shows for the most part I generally boo the bad guys And cheer the good guys And I don't, I'm not usually anti Like trying to get myself over You know at the crowd like, And I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way when I'm watching along And I just th- this, this show Is so bad And so you know, kind of like disrespectful to fans that buy in. It's like, what are you doing? What are so, you trying to do? If if I remember correctly, and I and I I really wanted look, we like to talk about the in-ring stuff in a lot of our recaps. We're not gonna be able to do that here. Not nearly as <laughs> no. No, like, we're no, no. We're no. we're not. We're just not. Like this is not gonna be. Hits him with a sweet hurricane rana, then comes back and turns it into a Canadian destroy. You're not getting that here. This is this is just at the time that the historical significance of this show is you can see why within a year WCW was no more. This is what was going on with WCW. Vince Russo completely had lost his mind. We're coming off of the David Arquette winning the heavyweight title nonsense. Like this is pretty much rock bottom WCW. Yeah. Why you're going out of business. But if I remember correctly, at that time, the the WCW fans, the loyalists that were still with them, 
they were really pissed off about all of the extracurricular nonsense that WCW was doing. And they were actually like asking for more wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, get back to basics, get back to what we came to watch, which is professional wrestling. And my theory with this is that it's almost like a middle finger to the fans that they're bitching and moaning, asking for more wrestling. Okay. You want more wrestling. We're going to get all cool on you and we're going to, break down the fourth wall and we're going to use words like shoot and get over and and really dive into what is the world of professional wrestling like it almost felt like that's what they were trying to accomplish it was like how and wwe sometimes you feel like vince, sometimes you feel like vince is just kind of like f you a response to things when you know somebody wants like the fans are trying to get someone over or something he's like no this felt like that the entire show yeah this, um really quickly and yeah. this is relevant yeah so we can go back and forth on Eric Bischoff and the way he booked a lot, okay? And there were certain ideas he had that just didn't work. The execution on a lot of them was flawed. We went on Sting Hogan for a while a couple of weeks ago. We can get that. However, the difference between Bischoff and Russo is I never thought Bischoff was putting together a product that actively insulted the fan base, I mean, there were things he yeah. did that were no, bad true. and they didn't work, but Russo was putting stuff together in such a way that, especially if you were a WCW fan in 96, 97, 98, it was just a matter of, okay, we get it. WWF is kicking your ass and you're desperate. If this is the best you can do, just pack it in, man. And what they wound up doing was bringing Eric Bischoff back, he and Russo would try to coexist behind the scenes when at the time, people above Bischoff and Russo were actively shopping the company. Bischoff was trying to buy the company. TNT winds up booting them off of television in large part because Russo's television was so abysmally awful and then Vince McMahon comes in, scoops up WCW, as uh, Chris Jericho says, like a grill at a yard sale. <laughs> and we wind up getting the invasion in 2001. It's really a fascinating case study. And it's such a shame that the product we got from WCW was this abysmally awful. Because if you look at the talent roster that WCW had in 2000. They're not bad at all. No. And you've got young guys yep, that are It's a combo, a good combo with some of the young guys and the veterans. But when they would try to do it, they, the, the name of this pay-per-view is New Blood Rising. I mean, just from the most basic thing. So th there was a faction called yeah. the New Blood. Which disbanded before the Before the pay-per-view. <laughs> WCW, ladies and gentlemen. So we've got a pay-per-view that's called New Blood Rising. But there's no more new blood. So if if this was just the name of a pay per view, and you and this was like the start of your reboot, but you never had a faction called the New Blood, totally fine, absolutely right. Mm. This would would be what the name of a, a like beginning show would be: New Blood Rising. Nope. This is the most confusing thing in the world. I just initially was I remember and I. Just was off, in my head, the timeline was off, and I was thinking about it. I was like, "You're, oh my god, they did they that group disbanded before this. They they did the thing where they had all the belts relinquished. 
But even in this show, you see one thing that WCW is always weird about. People would just steal title belts from each other and just wear them around like they were theirs, and nobody would care. Like, you've got people coming out with belts that aren't theirs, talking about – it's just bizarre. I've got a question. I have a question, and this is very important. Before we go any further, Gino, Darren, do you got it like that? (laughs) this i mean if you don't get that reference watch this show specifically starting with the tag title four-way match drink every time someone says got it like that or don't got it like that and you will be annihilated on the floor puking your guts out within an hour you get wcw ladies and gentlemen and, and and you get you know like I, and I, I'm so flustered that I've said like 50 times, and I generally don't even do that. I, I, I was I, gonna say you're a polished broadcasting professional, I'm, I'm and I'm liking it up like crazy because I'm just flut. But this is um, you get Mark Madden, who's at so, his worst. At his worst, he he bats about one out of twenty. Honestly, there's every twenty to twenty five things he said. There, there's one thing that you maybe go, oh, okay, that wasn't horrible. And it's such the combination of him watching heel announcers and trying to take shtick from Jesse and Bobby and all these others, and it doesn't work at all. The announcers literally have to pull up their script and say, this isn't on the script. One point in the match, when Goldberg walks out, they say, well, what are they going to have to do? Improvise? <laughs> what is going on? I'm, I'm watching this show, and I really did feel bad for the announcers, even for Shivani, that in that spot at this point of his career, uh, compared to what he was doing in the NWA at the beginning in the early Starcade, and how they treated wrestling compared to this. Because let's be fair, in WWE, WWF at the time, and even in WCW for. Slight little glimpses and things here and there Vince Russo does not have a complete awful body of work He did a lot of things in WWF that were very good When he had the filter of Vince McMahon To say, nope, that's not getting on TV, nope The one thing that Russo does do well Which unfortunately in a show like this It's just way too much Is he does have a story And everybody on the card All the way top to bottom They're involved in a storyline With other characters There's something going on It's just way too much Every match at the end has a run-in Or two or three people that run in Or two come out And then five minutes later Another one comes out You have no idea who's aligned with who It doesn't make any sense Because a lot of them are I mean, Chavo Guerrero is what is he, Lieutenant Loco? Lieutenant Loco, yes, from the Misfits in Action. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but this is just encapsulating WCW. He runs out, becomes a referee by taking Disco Inferno's shirt off. He has stablemates that are in this match. Does he help the stablemates win the titles? No! This, uh, yeah, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. Now, 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 I understand we could probably be going on this for as bad as it is. 
uh, we should probably at least get into the body of work. And yes. I'd like to start us off with a fun cleansing exercise, okay? I've been planning this, so you're going to need to bear with me here. Gino, Darren, here's what I would like you to do. <clears throat> I would like word to, you. Word to your mother? No. <laughs> here's what I'd like you to do. You, you're on the right track, though. I would yeah. like you to get up on your feet, mm. put your hands together. Yes, mm. this is a dramatic reading. Sing along with three count. Oh we'll party gosh. up forever. This, this is. Let's I get wasn't into the show. Finished, but I'm yeah. gonna let you go. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we are August thirteenth, two thousand, in British Columbia. For I'm loving this. This is great. I'm having fun. We're rising. having fun, Maggle. <laughs> so we get started. Video package. Uh, the video package. It focuses on the two main events. If you're just watching the video package. And then the start of the show, you actually see in the video package, okay, Goldberg, Nash, and Steiner. You see Booker, Booker T, and Jeff Jarrett. The problem with a lot of this is Goldberg as the heel and Nash as the company guy babyface. It was just hilarious, hilarious mm-hmm. casting of the of these two. And then on the other side, we've all talked about how I Jeff Jarrett has a spot in every company, but it's it's a mid card intercontinental U.S. champion TV title kind of guy. Him in the main event just never really works for me, DZ. No, I I, I mean at this time, you know, I I guess when you take a look through the roster on the high end, you know, you've done. You've done Nash and Goldberg, and obviously, you know, you've gotten away from the Hogan of, of you know, a- aspect of things. While I'm not saying that they don't have people that can work, he, once you once you got past a couple right. of guys, you see why you, he was chosen. The chosen. yeah, where where do you go? You know, where you know, you know, Sting, Nash, Goldberg, wh- where do you go? You know, yeah. it's just you just didn't have the high end talent, which. You know, if you were paying attention at this point, you knew WCW was in was in big, big trouble. And it was unfortunate for guys at the time like Booker T who got their big, you know, championship push at the time that things were, you know, for lack of better terminology, the shit was already rolling downhill. And yeah. Uh, um, really quick. Yeah. The line on Jarrett that must be said, rest in peace, Mike Graham. Yep. Broke a Great thousand one. guitars, never drew a dime. Yeah, it's it's true. And he uh you you he did get rich because I believe there was some sort of a deal that he got a a, a penny every time he said the word slap nuts. So <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he was able to uh make a make a life's living off of that because he says slap nuts quite a bit during this uh, era. Yeah, video package isn't bad. You know, WWF was always worlds ahead of them in this. But if you just watch the package, you start the show, you see that announcers introduce the show, talk about what's going to happen. But the first thing we see in this show after Tony Schiavone welcomes us, cool crowd. The crowd's pretty hot because we're there in Canada. It's not a place that they go often, so they're they are excited to see. Uh, you know, performers that they don't get a chance to see all the time. You've got a badass, legitimate fighter, and you have Tank Abbott come down the ring. I can't believe he did this. 
I was watching this and he's doing this goofy dance as he leads three count. I mean, it is unbelievably goofy. It's like some Funkasaurus kind of stuff he's doing. He grabs the mic and he he says this is the best band in rock and roll history. It's three yeah, count and he's singing and dancing in the ring with three count. What's really unfortunate about them and they're like a what Backstreet Boys take now they, they, they like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC too, and you know this because it's in their theme song. So they are a boy band, but all three of those guys are solid in the ring, and they're young and they're t- willing to take chances. And even the Jung Dragons are not bad in the ring. If you just took all of this out and had those six guys have a six man tag. No Tank Abbott, no goofy dancing, no gimmicky stuff, no stupid gold record, and then a contract hanging above the ring. There are there can't even be one. There's got to be two things hanging above the ring. Because why? Who knows? And the whole gimmick of the match is that nobody wants three count to sing or get a contract. Who the hell cares? Why don't we just make it a number one contenders match for a tag team tie? Anything more relevant than that That was the problem Not the problem, one of the problems With Russo's stuff Wrestling can be simple It's fine There are five or six, what, seven stories In the world that work and they're all recycled And done differently, that's exactly how wrestling is Nothing is brand new And you don't try to do stuff like this Because it doesn't work, Darren It it made this these, These guys can all go in the ring fine and in moments of this match where there wasn't Tank doing stupid crap around the ring, there would be little tidbits of this match that were actually very solid. But unfortunately, I couldn't get into any of it or actually invest in any of it because of all the crap. You know, I really think having Tank Abbott involved is is really a microcosm of where WCW was at this point compared to WWF, WWE. WWF at the time gets Mike Tyson. They get Ken Shamrock. And WCW brings in a guy into a very goofy, ridiculous scenario who I understand that for some weird reason, Tank Abbott had like this cult following with with MMA. The guy wasn't good. I mean, Tank Abbott lost like nine of his last 10 fights. Like, he would routinely get his ass kicked. So, yeah, maybe at one point he was a, a like, a legitimate fighter. I know he beat Dan Severn once early in his career in, like, the mid-'90s. But, it's, but this is kind of like the AAA to your major leagues. And then on top of it, you watch this, and the only thing, the only thing I, I could think of, Tank Abbott bears a very, very similar resemblance to Jim DeAnvil Nightheart. So I'm watching this, and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm trying to like, I'm like putting Anvil in his spot, <laughs> like trying to see if the Anvil could do what Abbott yeah. was doing, walking <laughs> down to the ring and trying to picture, it. like, yeah, because like this is where my mind was going watching this because it's just two guys that look a lot alike. But yeah, this is just some goofy, weird stuff that I I don't even know like what to say about it. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. I don't know what kind of laugh they were going for. I don't know who thought it was going to be funny. 
it was just watching, like literally watching it. I, I wish I could have seen my face. It must have been like the rock's eyebrow combined with Elvis Presley's lip at the same time. That's going that that had to be the expression on my face where just it it just read a blatant, huh? <laughs> yeah, wow. this this is bad and and it it's unfortunate because even the the setup and stuff, Andrew, a lot of the logistics of these matches, that was where they struggled. The production stuff, they just didn't have the kind of support that WWE had. Those were things that Vince Russo wasn't thinking about. And Eric Bischoff was actually not very good at a lot of that kind of stuff. His he actually he had some good ideas. You're right. And he seemed like he wanted the best. He he legitimately was trying hard. But you've got the ladders way out in the entrance way. So they got to run over and get the ladders, which is just weird. Why not have the ladders around the ring? Talk about talk about what's what's above the ring that you got to climb up the ladder to get. I know. The, <laughs> there's a gold record on one of them. That's a gold the three counts gold record and then on the other one it's a contra a record contract. And so wait wait time out folks. This is a wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah, this is the on opening a re- match. <laughs> yes, opening on a wrestling pay-per-view. This brand new era. This yes, is the a- first thing of this new Blood Rising era. This is the first thing you want people to see on your big pay-per-view. This yeah. thing. Yeah, and on a wrestling on a wrestling pay-per-view, it is a recording contract and a gold record above the ring. Cool suplex spot off the ladder. Big dive. Jung Dragons with some nice spinning kicks. Tank Abbott's got a shirt with the nipples cut out around around his uh, around his breasts. And after three count wins, Tank Abbott gets the gold record and for some reason runs out of the ring. And nobody knows why. The announcers don't. Three count is confused as hell. They're looking at him like, what the hell are you doing? Even throughout the match, the announcers don't understand why they're together. (laughs) Well, they said, well, Tank wants to be with him, with them, and they're just scared of him. So, yeah. Andrew, help me with this. I'll help you with it fine. It's a very good match. Strip everything else out. And I understand why you guys are highlighting all of this stuff. It's a very good match. Now, the it's reason so hard they wound for me up, to notice it, you yeah, know, exactly. I understand. Exactly. Yep. And honestly, what I will tell you is the way the storyline went after this match was as follows The Jung Dragons kicked out Jamie Noble, who made absolutely no sense with them anyway. Three Count kicked out Evan Courageous. And that built up to a three way tag match at Starcade 2000 that didn't have a lot of the extraneous nonsense and was also very, very good. If you have 20 minutes, go check that out because that is a stripped-down version of what we got here, minus, by the way, Tank Abbott, who was out the door at that point. So that match would probably be both of your speeds in a far bigger way, and if nothing else on Starcade 2000 is worth seeking out, that one is because that's a really good match. There are some cool spots in this particular match This was certainly not as good as what you were getting on WWF programming with Edge and Christian and the Hardys and the Dudleys doing all of this exact stuff. Two weeks later is when TLC happens. Yeah, but it's still very good. 
and you see six guys that went out there, worked their butts off, and were six of the maybe 10 guys that you could say that about on this particular show. It's a good opener, even with all of the nonsense. And look, I readily understand that Tank Abbott had no business being out there as the leader of a boy band, okay? Laugh at the absurdity, and it becomes far more bearable. Um, And seriously, Three Counts theme music is just, it's Jimmy Hart produced stuff, which you know it's going to be just amazingly awful because this is the same guy that produced A Man Called Sting and Steinerized, though he did have Rap is Crap, which is a tremendous thing. And we, by the way, at some point need to dive into some West Texas redneck stuff because (laughs) that was... That, that, was, that, that tremendous, just absolutely tremendous stuff. That actually naturally... probably got a cult following still right now. Nowadays, they feel like some of them that would be kind of popular again in this I modern know, era. Right? If all Barry <laughs> Wyndham needs to do is get a band together and they could probably go on tour. I mean, Kurt Hennig and Barry Darso are unfortunately no longer, not Barry Darso. Oh, God. Bobby Duncan. Bobby Duncan was the guy. Same initials, whatever. But unfortunately, those two no longer with us. But hey, if Barry Windham winds up getting a band together, you too could have the West Texas Rednecks with a bunch of guys that are actually from Minnesota. But kidding aside, this is actually a very good match, even with all of the nonsense that's attached to it. There are some insane spots that you didn't see much of in 2000 that are going on in this particular match. There's some head-scratching stuff to be sure, but you watch this match... And if you watch it from bell to bell and you're looking for a really good match, you get it. It gives you a very dangerous feeling of optimism. Don't let it creep in. It will not last. We go to the back and we got the filthy animals. An unmasked Rey Mysterio and Hoovy, Conan and Disco Inferno. And Tigress. Don't forget Tigress. And uh, Tigress. Very, very... uh... Very, very much very important very, yeah. I was going to say the, the most important And they are talking with Ernest Miller Commissioner Ernest Miller What is Ernest Miller wearing? Let's focus on that for just a moment a leopard What stuff? the heck is he wearing? It's like a vest That's like a leopard vest And Word to your mother It is <laughs> They tell him that If they They make a deal if they can referee the tag match later tonight, that they will help to make sure that Ernest wins his match, which comes up next against one of the greatest and probably most respected wrestlers of all time, the great Muda. Oh, this is painful. Who this is, is on this so show painful to watch. Against Ernest the Cat Miller. And this match goes six minutes and 40 seconds, but it's, it's a TV match. That has nothing redeemable, nothing that you remember about it at all. Er- Ernest the Cat in the ring, he's not ter- he's not bad. He's fine. He's a fine worker. But this whole story with him as the commissioner, he grabs the mic. He tells Muda he's going to whoop his ass. The crowd is actually into Ernest Miller, which was, which was hilarious. Muda is aligned with... The Dark Carnival and Vampiro and the Demon. Um, Scott Hudson already is talking about how there's legit heat between Muda and Ernest the Cat Miller. What? And this just reminded me of something you would have seen on Nitro. 
and been okay with if it was on Nitro. Oh, look, there's Muda on Nitro. This is a pay-per-view match. It just is so through the motions. There's nothing special about it whatsoever. Tigress comes out to help. Does she do anything? She kind of waves a chair around. Does she even use the chair? She walks out. There's a we want puppies chant that you can tell the audio person in the back was trying to mute but couldn't quite get down. Tigress hits this really bad chair shot that Ernest Miller gets two on the cover of, and then he gets in a couple more offensive moves and pins him. Why isn't the chair shot the finish? I don't make doesn't make any sense. No. And he kicks out, but a couple minutes later, Ernest gets the win. Yeah. So you have the cat just getting a win over Muda and not really just taking advantage of the moment of the of the interference. This was one of those things that doesn't make any sense because is is the cat he's supposed to kind of be a baby face, right? Uh, I guess <laughs> shades of gray, guys. Shades yeah. of gray. You know, and- I guess. He's working with the filthy animals, but then he seems like he's not really working with them at the end. Muda and Vampiro are definitely set up like their heels. And it's just a bummer to see Muda in this spot. I couldn't believe it. I, 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 oh, and he told, I, listen, I know we like Muda. He, he has no interest in this. Nothing. He, he Why would he? Why totally would he? checked out of this. He's just going through the motions. Yeah. This is, yep. I mean, he, this is, he comes in there telling him, "Oh, you're gonna you're laying down for uh, Ernest the Cat Miller here." And he'd yeah. work again too. He he yeah. worked later in the night. He was the IWGP champion a year before this. Yep. This wasn't yep. like 15 years past his prime. He was just the champion in New Japan, and he's laying down for the Cat here. Yeah. This is yeah. I um. Did he, either of you notice? That uh, at one point in the match, Scott Hudson used the term legit heat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How did that make you feel? <laughs> what? Like, what are we doing? I mean, yeah. what? Like, you want to talk about like trying too hard to, like, I don't even, to, to accomplish something to like, I don't know. I don't know what. I, I would have loved to have been in the pre production meeting with those guys to just see. What the angle was that they were trying to work with everything? Because Andrew hit on it a little. A little. This is when Bischoff and Russo are supposed to be working together here. It may have been right before that. I don't it, know. I think. It was, it was I, close. Not, it was I close. think it's close. But who's it? Nobody is back there saying, "Okay, this doesn't really make that much sense." Or Nash, who doesn't? I hate. I said this version of Nash. I hate. I hate him at this time period. He was fine as Diesel or a little earlier on. He was fine a lot of times when he came right in with the NWO and then when he was with Vince. But why does he or, I don't know, any of these veterans, someone like Sting, someone like Lance Storm, just look around, even Jeff Jarrett, and say, hey, some of this stuff down there on the undercard is not good. Like We can't, we can't let that go out there. Well, yeah, you want the honest answer to that question is probably didn't care. because a lot of people only cared about the six inches in front of their face yep. and what their spot was. Yeah. Hey, and, and let's not forget, I mean, at this point in time, the 10 questions not to ask Vince Russo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean th- that is the state of WCW right now where there is word that there was a memo 
that went around WCW at this time where it literally included 10 questions not to ask Vince Russo. And one of them apparently was something to the effect of what does the second W in WCW stand for? Oh, my goodness. So. I, 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 I don't really have anything else to add here except for the fact that I am as big a great Muda fan as anybody. We've done some of Muda's matches that are far, far, far better than this. I was so proud to be in attendance for one of his last U.S. matches. He came to the United States, did an independent show in uh, Long Beach, California, where he tagged the with- block away from where I live. <laughs> yep. yeah. He tagged with Penta L zero M or whatever he's calling himself, Pentagon Junior, against Johnny. Uh, J- they called him Johnny. Uh, whatever he's Johnny PCW, whatever you want to call him. He's John Morrison and Sammy Callahan in a tag match. And even in his mid fifties, the guy is throwing moonsaults. He's spitting mist. We got a fireball spot like that. Muda. 15, 20 years after this was so much better than the Muda we saw twice and was so much better than the Muda we saw in WCW. And it was such a shame that WCW had this guy and the best thing they could do with him was make him the number two guy in a stable led by Vampiro who was never over at all ever. And you could see that Muda, who was known for, in some instances, coasting just enough to get by so that that way when he went all out, it mattered. It never mattered to him in WCW in 2020, in 2000, I should say. How and could it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why it's, would it? It was you, brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And speaking of brutal. You know when is, you, you yeah. know a show's bad? When we've gone 38 minutes and we haven't even mentioned... Judy Bagwell on a forklift. That's a segue they teach you about in broadcasting school, ladies and gentlemen. Judy Bagwell on a pole. Well, it's not a pole. They couldn't find a pole, so they put her on a forklift. This is... My God. So... The storyline here is Candy. There's a storyline? <laughs> just, just hearing that. Like, the, yeah. like... Canyon is imitating DDP. He's absolutely Canyon. Positively Canyon. And <laughs> he is tormenting Buff Bagwell's mother, who is also who's, kind of feisty herself. Who's also too heavy for a pole. She's quite... <laughs> She's a little overweight. And when he comes out, Canyon, he drives the forklift to the ring with Judy on the on the forklift. Tied to the top. Tied to the tied to it. If he wins, he gets Judy as his valet. And I did think that there were a couple lines that uh Madden had in this match that just made me laugh a little bit because he said Think about what Buff's doing. He's taking work away from his mother. You know, like she, he's, she wants to be out on the road. She wants to be working. And uh, that that made me chuckle a little bit. But Canyon gets the mic. Says, Who's better than Canyon? And he said, shut up. And he searched all of Canada for a pole big enough to hold Buff's mom. But he couldn't find one. 
So now this is officially a Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. And again, if you just to be happening because they hated Bagwell and how he acted like in the locker room, right? Right. Just had, yeah. Just a, ri- a total rib on him. Yeah. Because once the work, it's a six minute and 45 minute match. When they're brawling for a, a while out in the crowd and Buff is. You know a little intense at that point and aggressive That stuff is fine There's a couple mi- minutes of okay Stuff in here It just there's nothing Great about it Well can I ask you what the hell is David Arquette involved for Yeah well, I, think I actually have an answer to that Oh good please a- enlighten a- me Apparently and they mentioned this He was in Vancouver Shooting a movie at that point Was it Scream 46 it very well might have been, but they apparently did say, oh, wait a minute, Arquette's here. Let's find some way to use him on the undercard that's harmless. And you know what? Of the, the 93,000 things that are wrong with this show, I thought this was fine because they brought Arquette out. They minimized his involvement, and he wound up taking a bump off of a cutter at the end of it after the match when Canyon went nuts. I didn't add too much of a problem with that. Here's my question for both of you guys. If your mothers were on a forklift <laughs> and if your mothers were being held in the balance by a stipulation that if your hated rival beat you, your mother would be their valet and you ran in and you hit a neck breaker, would you strut? No, I'm, it's, it just, no. there's no psychology with a lot of it. I will say, the crowd was pretty into buff. You know, the and crowd hadn't cooled down yet. No, there they were is excited. a turning point. And yeah. we'll get there. There's a defined turning point on this show where the crowd just says, wait, this isn't getting any better. And other than the opener, this totally sucks. Judy's screaming from up on the forklift. Um, hey, you know what movie it was that he was shooting? What's that? This is, I, I was, you know, just talking about this. I had to give you some color. The, it was the epic, epic saga, probably the greatest movie of Kurt Russell's career, 3,000 Miles oh. to Graceland. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, oh, I'm, nice. No, I'm, say, I'm saying <laughs> that completely. I'm saying that completely. Oh, tongue in, yeah. tongue in it's legendary for uh... 3,000 Miles to Graceland won the Razzie Award for literally every single category yes. in the year it yes, came it out. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. So bad, and Kevin Costner and 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 uh, and Kurt Russell in a movie. You get so excited for it, and mm-hmm. it's absolute. Dog it is star studded too. <laughs> it is <laughs> Courtney Cox is in yeah. it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Canyon exposes the turnbuckle, and Canyon Cutter. Bang! We get the <laughs> announcers. You know they're talking a lot about Buff's neck injury. Canyon tries to slow it down. Here comes David Arquette, just looking weird too with his hair. He, anyways, Buff hits a double blockbuster on both. He wins the match. He wins his mom, and and uh, he rescues her from the forklift. He hugs her, and here comes Buff's theme song. And uh, then after the match, Canyon. Says hi to Arquette and then he turns on him And hits him with a Diamond cutter also known as A canyon cutter and 
yeah um the rest uh, in peace canyon by the way i have to say that very very much so he was into this you could tell he liked playing this role just something that was a miss to me um as we get to lance storm pulling up Backstage, we don't know who it is quite yet We see the Canadian police, the Secret Service In a big limo And it's a, it's kind of, you know when, when Vince McMahon will show up Or some big star But it is Lance Storm And he was treated like a star In this, I gotta say Got a pop favorite, when you saw it was him My favorite thing of the entire show was the Lance Storm stuff We're gonna get to that in just a little bit Thought it was great, it was hilarious And it was exactly what you needed to do We got a lot of crap there. to sift through Before we get yeah, to that point Yeah, we do, now. we do We got a lot of crap to wade through This is basically like Shawshank Redemption right now We're gonna yeah. wade through a lot of crap to get there um, We get the Oh, they, they, they tell us now that Goldberg got in a motorcycle accident at yeah. Sturgis Yeah And they don't know what's going on this was a du- total WCW thing Telling us something That we never see WWE will at least show you the storyline angle Austin gets hit by a car You know, things like that To write someone off for the most part They would just say, oh, Hulk Hogan's not showing up tonight Or they're actually telling you the truth Shawn Michaels got his ass kicked in a bar in Syracuse Yeah, yeah <laughs> kind of get something You knew they weren't going to be on the show a lot of the time Even this year, people got pissed because Sasha But and you didn't like the way that, that they handled the Becky and Bianca stuff, but they didn't they didn't announce Sasha or tell you they were gonna change it because they had the Becky surprise. That was so they felt like at the very least they weren't gonna make you feel really disappointed because you were still gonna see something. They didn't care. They were, oh, it doesn't matter. We're just not doing this, or this is gonna change, or this is who knows here. And we get the tag team championship here, four corners match with a, a lot of pretty good workers at wait, this point. Wait, wait, wait. There's three special guest referees. Three. <laughs> three. <laughs> Rey Mysterio, Juventude, Disco Inferno. Yeah, and Tigress. And Tigress, so four. Four. Uh, yeah, four. Four. Oh. Conan's on commentary. Conan was in I don't give an F mode. He was just burying everyone. Yeah. In, in, it, it, there were some funny things that he said Actually But he just did not give a crap I mean oh, nobody I, else apparently did Why no, should he Why would he, why would he? <laughs> And So it's Chronic, Brian Adams and Brian Clark Who I do have to say At this point of their career They were in very good shape And they were a good tag team They were two big guys That were never going to be major stars on their own But they had Size and they were pretty athletic For big guys that could move Everybody drink Also they were over Yes they were They very much were because they did They had a good power tag team Gimmick they leaned into it Big power moves they were all about the fight Even in this show Lots of marijuana references Yeah which which people were laughing Uh, Chronic Conan at one time says Oh no we gotta go against Chronic Uh, We've been there before or something, something along those lines. Uh, so, again, th- this is pr- probably the third or fourth even thing in a row where if you just isolate spots of this match, I'm totally fine with them. There are things in this match that are good. Brian Adams and Brian Clark, as we said, it's a good good time for them. Uh, you got Jindrak and O'Hare, young but athletic. Stasiak Palumbo, you kind of got that too. General Rection, 
Corporal Cajun You have a lot of guys that are not complete stiffs in the ring General Rection, stiff (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there And being in tag teams for a lot of these guys Is the best thing for them Because they are not 15 minute match singles type guys They can come in, do some of their cool power spots Get in, get out It just (laughs) There's just so much crap General Rection, get in, get out You're right We're we're, we're, (laughs) We're just, you know, that's why they everybody did get in the gutter that's with us. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's not bad. It just so there's so much going on. You've got the filthy I, I, animals. Yeah. Then you got you got Ch- Chavo who comes running in afterwards and. I mean, Darren, what, like, give give me a few things to say. Normally when we do this, like, if we watch a match where, like, like, after the match, I I don't feel like I have, like, a grasp on what I just watched. Like, if I'm missing a story or I'm missing the booking or whatever, I'll go back and I'll watch it again and, and see if I could figure out, you know, what lost me. I came out of this match just completely dumbfounded by what I watched <laughs> and I just made a conscious decision that I was not going to subject myself to it again <laughs> you know like I didn't understand why chronic won I didn't get the booking I didn't get the all the referees I it was just utter chaos I, I don't know what to say it, it made no sense and I just said okay it, look it doesn't make sense I'm not going to try to make sense of it and that's what I'm going to say when we do the show <laughs> okay I'll do it then. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get down into the minutia of this four-way tag match that went 12 minutes. Yes, we are. So, as I've mentioned, this is where the got-it-like-that drinking game really comes into play here. So, if you're watching this match for some godforsaken reason, make sure you have a full bottle of vodka handy, a whole bunch of shot glasses, and a bucket in which to puke. Now that you have all of that, Let's begin, shall we? So this is a case study in less is more. This shouldn't have gone 12 minutes. No. The comedy should have been way toned down. But then again, this is Vince Russo. Everything gets thrown at the wall and you see what sticks. Disco is slow counting everything, which is funny the first time or two and then just gets really old. Tigress comes in, does a Bronco Buster, and Mark Madden reacts like, the guy that gets thrown out of every strip club in the country every night of the year saying, do it to me, do it to me, do it to me. God, shut up. And he's Someone so over the top with the, with the, oh, there's nothing happening. They're not, a, they're not favoring anyone and they're not doing it. Come on, come yep. on. Don't go so much. Yep. And also I can't believe I've gotten to this point in my analysis without asking the burning questions. Why is Rey Mysterio a heel? And when Eric Bischoff got shown the door, why didn't Rey Mysterio go away for a couple of weeks, do a segment where he refound his mask, come back as a luchador, and just start wrecking shit? <sighs> it, it, see, it feels so weird and wrong seeing him without his yeah, mask. Like, if you wanted a star in the late 90s as a guy to potentially build up after the likes of Voldemort, Guerrero, Malenko, and Saturn left, Rey Mysterio is right there. He's right there. 
And what did they do with him? They took his mask off. They turned him heel. And I don't think he had a memorable WCW match from mid-99 onward. That's precisely what happened with him. And it's unfortunate because we would see in his WWE run in the early to mid-2000s, this guy had plenty of gas left in the tank. It wasn't a case where he had taken all of his bumps and used up the bump card. This guy could still work, and he was being wasted as much as anybody in WCW. I mean, for goodness sake, they call it New Blood Rising. He's not wrestling on the show. My goodness. So the crowd turns on this match midway through. They have no reason to care. Vampiro and Muda do a run-in for no good reason. Uh, Clark gets a meltdown on Palumbo. Disco doesn't count because he doesn't want the filthy animals going up against Chronic because they're scared of Chronic. In comes Lieutenant Loco. Now, Lieutenant Loco is a part of Misfits in Action, who are represented in this match by General Rection and Corporal Cajun. Does he help General Rection and Corporal Cajun win oh this God. match after he puts the referee's shirt on? I don't believe you're still talking about no! Yeah. No, he no. does not. No. He does a fast count for Chronic, thus costing the Misfits in action the match. This went 12 minutes. It should have so did, So did your description. Yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, I would advise you to be very, very careful because in a couple of weeks, it's going to be my turn. The calendar is going to go into October. And Darren, there's a show you've mentioned a couple of times that's Dude. very high on my list. Listen, So listen. watch your mouth, boys. But listen, Chamber of Horrors, we could have a lot of fun talking about. Yeah, that, like, And we're not having weird. fun talking about this? No. I don't yeah, even don't. know what we're talking about. Yeah, we don't. We don't. <laughs> because... Why I, we have a match after later another one with Chronic. Chronic ends up winning this match, and but why Vampiro and Muda run in and attack him, and and we get a match later. But why do they come in? They it's don't a very good question. Have any ties to anybody else in the ring? They're not helping or defending anyone. It they just come in. And then they're not the ones that challenge for the titles later, or even say in the back, "We want the titles from you." They actually have Chronics come out and say, we want a title match. We want to give you a title match. And they don't even answer. They just kind of walk off. And then we hear that there is going to be a title match. Mm-hmm. So again, some great production as I, I will give one. I did think Disco when he had the mic before the match wasn't awful. He was oh, Disco was having fun. Yeah, he was getting some decent heat. I expected it to be very cringy, and it, it wasn't bad. He said, hey, I'm the ref. Here's what's happening. You do not mess with me. And he was very uh, – I thought his little his little talk there, the few minutes of words that he had weren't horrible. The rest – it's just the same situation. Why is there so much crap happening as we then get to the back and slap nuts? I have a Jeff- question. I have a very important question because we see her a number of times – and she's never introduced by name. Pamela Polshock. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I was wondering because she was one of the more pleasant things to look at in the midst of this abomination. Pamela Polshock interviewing him instead of Mean Gene. Jarrett says, why are you here instead of Jurassic Slapass? 
Sure. And oh wow, said, guys, this is actually kind of cool. So she is actually married to a guy named Roger Lodge, who is an LA oh, uh, sports radio personality, absolutely. I know that guy. and yeah. the the former host of a dreadfully cringy reality show called Blind Date on That's UPN. A great show. What that was it was about? on the air when I was a teenager. Oh, My God, it was do, awful. Oh, it's so good. We used to do. Like when I was in high school, we would do like blind date skits at our rallies and stuff that were fun, and we'd have someone like the high school court, the the head quarterback and the the, uh, the you know the, the starting quarterback and the head cheerleader at, at a date. We'd film them doing goofy stuff, and oh, I love I love blind date. Roger Lodge is a great shout, good shout out there, Andrew. But it's exactly what Jarrett is going to be doing for this two years of where he's doing the slap nuts thing, talking crap. He says. Where is Mean Gene? Is he not here because you kept him up all night? Wait, don't tell me. That's going to make me vomit. And then he mentions Booker and that he's going to win because he's the chosen one and he's got all the pull in the back. Slap nuts. We then get a strap match next, which is a strap match that ends by pinfall. It's not a strap match. No, nope. because strap match is a four corners match. Fits the show perfectly. So this is not a strap match. You should have just said this is a no DQ match. Mm-hmm. But they have the strap sort of keeping them together, only because the they want to do the ending spot, which you just could have done the hanging with anything else. Yes, yes, folks. There's a hanging at the end of this match, where. Shane Douglas Tries to uh, Just choke the life out of Kidman And then he kicks the chair underneath So he for a few seconds Is being hung up in the corner Before he has to be saved by Wait for it Because I know you would have guessed it anyways Big Vito Um, Again Shane Douglas, Billy Kidman You give me these two guys Five years earlier at, At Three years earlier, their peaks even, and let them go fifteen minutes. Hell, give me these two guys at this point and say, "Hey, go out there and have a banger," because Kidman could be the babyface. Shane, who was big at this point, he his heel gimmick. He was much more confident as a performer now. He was he was hurt though. I think yeah, he had an arm injury, didn't he? he Yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah, you could tell that he had worked on his promo skills and his talking. His his uh, presentation was much better here now than at any point in his career. He just seemed confident about what he was doing. Unfortunately, he was just not necessarily at his prime anymore, and he was he was banged up. But this and they put this, Kidman in that that thing with Hogan where he got buried. Yeah, this was the yeah the Hogan stuff was before this. Yeah, and really quick while I'm here, please. You mentioned the hanging. Kidman got legitimately hurt and had to miss several months because of that stunt. So whoever booked that <clears throat> Russo should really feel happy about that because you had 10 guys on this show that gave a legitimate effort and genuinely cared about what they were doing. Kidman was one of them. Kidman was a legitimately good worker, even at this point, And you sacrificed him for a spot that meant nothing. Good job. Hey, hey bro, bro, Good bro, out. listen. Bro, you don't know shit about wrestling, bro. Okay, bro? That was a cool oh. spot, bro. 
Bro, entertainment, entertainment. And you see some of the stuff that they're doing over there in the other place, bro. And you think what that was bad, bro? You have no fucking clue, bro. No clue. I can't wait till we get to Asia. You will talk about her in a second. I forgot about her too. Um, um, so Kidman, who's not hot at this point at all, as we mentioned, he's just coming off getting buried by Hogan in a in a really weird sort of angle back and forth. They go eight minutes. It's nothing special whatsoever. Neither one of these guys is close to giving it their all or their uh, the best that we've seen from them. And Kidman wins And then after He takes the strap to give Tori a spanking who is with Tor- uh, So the, the reason why these guys are fighting Tori Wilson before was with Billy Kidman She left him And went with Shane Douglas So they're fighting over her He gets the strap He starts spanking her with the strap The because crowd what, why not? Was Dead for this entire thing until the end of the match when he did that, when he got the strap out. And then after that, he got choked in the corner. The franchise grabs him, hangs him up in the corner. Here comes our boy DZ, big veto to the rescue. And the crowd goes nuts for big veto and they start chanting. They were dead for eight minutes. They woke up for the last few seconds of this and for big veto. They chanted for him. Andrew, what'd you think? Um, I thought Tori was gorgeous. Let's just start there. Yeah, that's um, I'd agree. There, there, there's a reason that the spanking spot got a reaction. Um, I didn't hate this. I gave it two stars. I thought it was watchable. Now, it, it was one of the least offensive things on the show. No, exactly. Wait, 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 wait. It, Re- it, recap what was just. <laughs> You're said. right. No, you're right. And that's okay. what I mean. And a that's, guy that's... getting a hung and hung. a woman getting spanked with a strap so, was one of the least offensive yes. things on oh, this show. show. That's where we are. That's Gino, we... Gino, I think we broke Darren. Can someone go to that's, Staten Island and fix him? Where we are <laughs> with this show. Hanging and spanking. Are are not that offensive compared to some of the other things. So I've, I've got one other, I've got one other thing that I need to spotlight before we move on, and that is the one line that Mark Madden had that I thought was hysterical, and it's one of those horrible things where you realize my sense of humor. Tori jumps up on the apron, grabs her shoe, and Mark Madden yells, "She's turned heel." And then Tori <laughs> whacks Shane Douglas by accident with the shoe. Okay. I thought that was funny. That is But good. you're right. Mark Madden is about one for 10, one for mm-hmm. 20. And that was the one that hit flush. I thought that was hysterical. This match itself wasn't no. bad. And look, no. I wasn't talking about the spanking and the high and the hanging I, thing. No, oh yeah, like, I would agree. The, I would bell agree. to bell, this match was fine. Like I these said, two are just veterans that are fine workers. They're not as bad. They you, even them going through the motions is still going to be fine. And by and, the way, if you're looking for an offensive match between these two, as far as stipulations go, let us not forget the immortal Viagra on a pole match, yeah. which combusted when the bottle of <clears throat> Viagra dropped off the pole and broke in the middle of the ring. <laughs> WCW, ladies and gentlemen. There was a point in this match where Scott Hudson mentions a sex tape. 
also. Yeah, that had something to do with it. With I the storyline with Tori yeah. and them. And um, so Big Vito with the save. And then we see Booker T showing up backstage. He's getting out of the car. <clears throat> and Jeff Jarrett sneak attacks him. And so Booker has been attacked. That'll be a storyline leading up to the main event But that Jared has already Weakened the champ Next up we get the Oh god Mud rip off the clothes match They call it an ROTC match Rip off the camouflage Now let me let me actually say this This thing went 643 And these two women End up In a pool Of mud Where we are led to believe that somebody has a miscarriage mm. at the end of the match. This is and, this is what happens in here. And they try to sell you on it at and the they, end because they change Miss Hancock's name to Stacy Keebler. Serious announcer voice. Yeah. All and that is <laughs> completely just jaw dropping and awful in every way. I gotta say, when I saw this coming up. I was actually not I was impressed with what they did in the ring. I Me too. Me they too. They were as bad as I was thinking they were going to be. For two were, people that were not professional wrestlers. And I actually read another uh, I was reading a recap of of this and I was kind of looking to see what some of the other people had scored scored some of these quote unquote matches. And the one thing that I I read that I thought was a good it said this felt like a match that you would see in a training Facility and not in a bad way Just two kind of Girls that probably got taught a couple things here and there And that seemed like they actually Did did them pretty well And they and they weren't miss Completely botching spots they didn't try to do Anything too crazy they just did a few basic Things and I didn't feel like The six minute or the five minutes That they were in the ring before they started to make their way over It didn't feel like it dragged or Went on too long or that they were I just was expecting a complete train wreck. We did, we only got the train wreck when we started to get over to the to the the mud. Um, so that was my positive about this match. But Darren, who at the end they they have Stacy Keebler, who is Miss Hancock. She's about to win the match. Her and Major Guns are both in this pool of mud. And they've both been sort of stripped down For the most part but they still have to pin the other one And then she just keels over She acts like she's got Something wrong in her stomach They, She gets pinned And then the announcers will start to They actually Pretend that she was Seriously injured Had a problem In fact her boyfriend at the time David Flair comes running out And jumps in the pool To even Try to sell us more on this angle I just This was This was one of the the worst things On the show Just that they went in this direction And that you're forcing Shivani and Madsen And Madden and Hudson To act Like I think this was when Hudson started saying things Along the lines of Well this isn't on the script Yeah, We don't have this on the paper here folks We didn't know this was happening this isn't part of the this isn't part of the show. Uh, I uh, Darren. I mean, look, this is uncomfortable for me. Uh, 
because as any person who's uh, been in a situation with a lost pregnancy will tell you that that's not something you make light of. No. And it's not something that you put on a TV show and try to make part of a storyline. It's just, uh, it's, it's just not, it's just not something that you can ever go for cheap points with. It's not going to work. Um, you know, you see it in movies, of course, and stuff like that, because, you know, movies imitate life. And I understand that this is supposed to be some kind of form of entertainment, but this was, this was just terrible. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I got like, you know, deeply offended by it and all that stuff, but it's just not, it, I, I'm just speaking from the standpoint of, it's just not something that anybody ever wants to see. Nobody is really going to. Who is this for? Yeah. Who, like, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Like, do you, do you think you're going to get like concerned women at home for the, like, I, I it, it missed every mark it could possibly miss. Uh, it made no sense. And the acting to try to take you to wherever it was supposed to go was also abysmal. Um, I actually felt bad for the two women that had to be a part of this, that this was what they had to do. Because my guess is that on a personal level, they were probably both very uncomfortable with it. Yeah, that uncomfortable is a very good word. And look, bad as this was, and it was horrible as far as the storyline goes. If you're going to do something like this, have a plan. It's got to be part of something that's been built. There has to be a huge story to it. There's got to well, be something yeah. going with afterwards. This just came out of nowhere. And this is just a throwaway story is like one of the things. And that's just, yeah. It... And on top of all of that, as offensive as this already was, this is the cherry on top. A couple months down the road, Angle got paid off with Stacy Keebler, aka Miss Hancock, revealing that she was not, in fact, pregnant and that she was swerving everybody, bro. My God, this is bad on so taste. many levels. Such from poor the, taste. From the standpoint of taste, from the standpoint of wrestling booking, from the standpoint of having respect for your audience. Now, I'm going to go back to something Gino said because look, as much as I love laughing at bad wrestling, as much as I love subjecting you guys through torture, and hey, I'm suffering through it myself, but these two tried, and I will say that, and I will give them credit. Major Guns is probably best known by her real name of Tylene Buck, and if you feel like searching that term, I would suggest you do that on an incognito browser with nobody else around. She was not a trained wrestler. Miss Hancock, Stacy Keebler, was a Baltimore Ravens cheerleader who was a lifelong wrestling fan who was eager to do whatever she could to help the product. And that included her journey from being a nitro girl to being a valet to being an actual competitor. Now, we looked at Bash at the Beach 2000. And I'm going to get really into the sad stuff here because she had a match with Daphne, who we unfortunately lost for some of the worst reasons. Yeah. Seriously, everybody, check on your loved ones. Tell them you love them. You know, if you provide an ear to listen if they're going through some stuff, okay? It gets really, really bad out there sometimes. But somewhere along the line, they determined Stacy Keebler was a worker, even though she was not a trained wrestler. And she tried. She hits, 
a top rope cross body that doesn't suck. It looks like someone that's trying to do a wrestling move with some athleticism, and she actually pulls that off. Major Guns gets sent into the post at ringside and actually takes a decent bump. I've seen worse trashy matches. I have not seen a worse trashy ending. This was abysmal, mm-hmm. and whoever had this idea should be dragged through the mud, wordplay absolutely intended, for all of eternity. Yeah, I think you got it perfect. They tried, and they did the best that they could. Like, Very, very impressed this with This was their not, in-ring. from a technical standpoint, this was not a negative star match. No, and I was and then, expecting a negative star match. Then we get the... Demon versus Sting. We go backstage and we talk with the Dark Carnival. It is Vampiro who is with Pamela again. And she says, no matter what you did to Sting, he always bounces back. Vampiro says that tonight his nine lives have run out. The demon will beat him. And then the announcers come back. We get in a serious voice. That's when they hold up a script and and say, oh, and everything that happened with, uh, you know, not not Miss Hancock, uh, Stacy Keebler, and she's being taken. Uh, we'll let you know, and then we don't hear anything about her the rest of the night. I think one time they say we we want to, we hope she's doing okay, and that's it. Um, the Demon versus Sting. <laughs> so we get a show that Andrew and I talked about the other day, which was Starcade '97, the biggest botch of a main event, honest in my opinion, in history. Because of the way that it was built And then the way that it was uh, executed You've got a guy who <laughs> Goes through, Is in the rafters And he comes down all the time But you don't have him do it in that match That huge match He just walks out like nothing Yet it's funny because he Comes down from the sky in this match I thought I just thought that was hilarious This match that goes It says 50 seconds I guess it it goes That long because they're in the in the aisleway For a bit they This match is basically sting Throwing this demon Who vampiro said tonight The demon this demon's got to prove his You know prove his place in the The dark carnival Sting throws him into the railing Outside Once twice three times The demon gets one punch in Sting throws him into the ring Stinger splash Scorpion death drop for the win That's it The thing I can say about this Darren Is at least it was under a minute You know for a minute I thought to myself Maybe that's Jeff Hardy dressed up as the theme, as the demon <laughs> You know um, Not to not to bring up that sore subject Yeah I, I no. mean you know What are you going to say I mean it's a It's a complete squash match You know it's it's sting yay You know probably the worst one of the worst Uh Storylines of his of his career at this point, I, I, the whole dark carnival thing. Like if you if you did it right, it probably could have some legs. Yeah, like you know, it's not a terrible concept, and you know the 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 makeup was pretty sick. Um, but you know, it's WCW in two thousand, so it's not going to work. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Andrew, I don't know if you, I don't know what you could possibly say about the match. It literally lasts for like thirty seconds or fifty two. If the, if you're to believe that, you got some post match stuff. You know, Vamp and Muda come out and uh, you know try to go after Sting. Chronic comes out, rescues him. You know, they're they're trying to get revenge from earlier or whatever. And 
I don't know. Sting just casually like just leaves. <laughs> just he just leaves. The demons like standing there, like looking around, confused. I just I don't really know what's going on after the match. It's just kind of like random chaos for whatever. But uh, you know, I mean, go ahead, Andrew. I'll pitch it over to you. You got anything for me? <laughs> I do actually. All so, right, buddy. There you go. Never let me down, Ray. Never let me down. One of the <laughs> last things that Eric Bischoff did before he was relieved of his duties with WCW was strike up a deal with the band Kiss, wherein Kiss would do a show on Monday Nitro and they would come up with a character based on the band Kiss. Well, that segment wound up being one of the lowest rated segments in the history of Monday Nitro. Kiss doing the concert, lip syncing their way through whatever song it was they performed and the demon coming out as, you know, somebody new to watch on the roster. Part of this contract was that the demon would be involved in a certain amount of, and the way they put this was main event programs. Now that was part of the contract WCW had with the band Kiss as part of the ability to use their likenesses and whatnot. So there were a couple of instances where they had to promote demon matches that were third or fourth on the card as the main event of the show so as to satisfy the terms of their contracts. I do not know if this was one of them, but a match with Sting could at least be justified in legal terms as being a quote-unquote main yeah, event. That's a good because point. Sting mm -hmm. was one of the biggest stars of the company. Now, when Bischoff was gone, the demon was dead in the water. There was no shot of that gimmick working at all whatsoever. The guy underneath all of the makeup is now a strength and conditioning coach for a Major League Baseball team's Dale Torborg, and he wound up winning a couple of World Series rings for being in the clubhouse for both the 2003 Florida Marlins, who nice. mercifully beat the New York Yankees. Thank God I was in high school for that and loved every minute of that. And the 2005 Chicago White Sox. So good on him for that. He's absolutely doing okay for himself in life. The reason I haven't talked about this match is because it's god-awful, the angle is god-awful, and anyone involved with any of this from start to finish ought to be ashamed of themselves because this was pretty hideous. Yeah, Darren mentioned some of the post-match. Sting's getting attacked by Vamp and Muda. Again, Muda just in Go away, my all God! All stink. He's getting all this stink on him. So Brian Adams and Brian Clark come out. Then they challenge... The Dark Carnival to a match that ends up happening after the Lance Storm Mike Awesome match that we're yeah, going to talk about. That's what this show needed was another Next. match. Another match with <laughs> again the Dark Carnival that we've seen out there a lot feels like already or we've we've heard from. Um, now we get what was my favorite part of the show: the Canadian Heavyweight Championship match, Lance Storm versus Mike Awesome. So. You get my, uh, you get Lance Storm who gets the full like the big Goldberg entrance, the security backstage. He has all three of his titles, the, the cool theme music. He comes out to cut his normal pro uh, promo that you know everybody boos and he has got like seven titles with him. Yeah, <laughs> says uh, he's very happy to finally be wrestling in front of the great Canadian fans <laughs> rather than the stupid terrible Americans. And so the crowd in Canada goes nuts. 
They so, love so this wait, guy. So basically biting off of Bret Hart Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Bret, who we see in just a moment. In fact, he says that he wants to bring out a special guest referee to serve as a ensure the Canadian rule book is adhered to and the crowd starts chanting Brett. Mm. And so they think it's going to be Brett. Yeah. Instead we get Jacques Rougeau, who the crowd was deflated, but then they didn't want to boo him. You know, they were probably like, oh, but oh okay. Yeah. You know, they kinda of, they kind of settled in like a oh okay. Well, you know, he didn't say it was gonna be Brett, but crowd chanting for Brett here and we get the Canadian national anthem played And these two guys had a fun match They're both good Mike Awesome is very underrated in the ring I think a lot of people don't remember how good he was Or some of the things that he was capable of Some He was a boss. big guy that could move Everybody, Everybody drank. Boom, boom, boom And the way they work this match Normally something like this Would bother me a little Or some you can't do this all the time This is something that's overbooked and that's all about the place that you're in and what you're doing. This all this all came down to the Canadian rule book that they had to keep referencing. So Mike Awesome hits a sit-down power bomb and he wins three count. But then Rougeau has to stop it and tell the ref uh, tell the uh, official, the timekeeper, before he makes the announcement. No, no, no. It's a Canadian rules match, so it's a five count. Can I can I state my problem here? Please. He's the ref. If I it's know. a five count, why does he just count, just count five? The five? Why I does know. he stop at three to what? tell him it's gotta it's go gotta to stop five? Him. I know. <laughs> After everything. I know. So like if bad. I can you imagine if I'm sitting in that production meeting and they're going through this match? All right, here's what's gonna happen, bro. You, you you're gonna count to three, right? <laughs> you're gonna count to three, and and awesome's gonna think he won, bro. But then bro, bro, you check it out, bro. You're gonna you're gonna turn around. You're gonna tell the timekeeper you gotta count to five. Oh, and I would have just ra- I would have just raised my hand and be like, "Why does he stop at three if he knows it has to go to five? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like uh, what? Like, like does yeah. anybody have just, a, a brain in their head? A check and a balance, just a little logic to it, just a tiny bit of logic. Um, they then start the match and. Lance Storm submits, but Rougeau says that uh, it, when they go to announce it, he tells the the timekeeper, "Well, no, never mind. That the title can't change hands on a submission in Canada." Yeah, sure, yeah. So um, they restart it now for a third yeah, time. Here, here comes the worst he, one. He pins him for the five <laughs> count. One, it was it was funny hearing the ref count to five, which was a, a Big E gimmick. Actually, shout out to Big E, the new. And, and King, King Kong, Kong Bundy. Bundy before yeah, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, well before that. Um, so then after pinning him for the five count, Jacques Rougeau says it's actually a Texas death match. So the champion had to the count of 10 to get up after being pinned. So both guys are going back and forth. They end up crashing through a table. And as they're laying down, Rougeau says that the first man to his feet would actually be the winner. And as Mike Awesome is about to get up, he just decks him, n- nails him, falls back down. Landstorm gets up, retains his title. This was a sh- overbooked schmoz. I actually enjoyed it because it was fun. It was 
obviously such BS as then Darren pointed out there were things that just don't make sense when you really try to pick in it but the crowd was really into this the two guys in the ring are actually two of the better guys on the card in the ring and this was something that Lance was obviously very into everybody this felt like some one of the only things on this show that really felt pay-per-view worthy or something that they did a Somewhat good job with Even though as Dare mentioned there were a few things wrong But they they felt like they were all into this They all played their parts pretty well here And then at the very end You bring out Bret Hart Everybody sort of thinks that Bret's going to be pissed Because of all the refereeing stuff Nah, But Bret loves it Nah it's in Canada he's good So he gives them yeah, a, yeah. a lot Gives them both a big hug and he smiles So you get Bret at the end the, the person who everybody wanted to see anyway So they're happy there I'm sure even though this show was so miserable um, There are a lot of people who probably went home Pretty excited that they got the chance to see our boy Brett, huh DZ? Yeah, that was the highlight of my night <laughs> I forgot that he popped up on here For a minute I, I, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't remember that either I didn't. Hey, hey, by the way, uh, just to drop in Because, you know, this show, you know, we can't possibly Just talk about anything else, but um, Are either of you watching NXT right now? I'm waiting I have an interview right after us But I'm waiting, but I, I heard that I saw the look of it, how they changed it up. Um, well, not not just that. Um, the, the results of stuff, huh? Well, M- Mandy Rose, um, I'll just say, has a new interesting look. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where to... where I didn't realize who it was until they zoomed in on her face. Okay. Um, and it's kind of and it, and it's a little it's a little badass, and okay. um, it's it's I, I think Andrew and Gino are gonna like it. I'm going to need to take a look at this and yeah. do a little bit of research. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Andrew, what were some of your thoughts on uh, on this match? Well, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's way more interesting than this match to me. Um, I'm I'm not crazy about it. Uh, it 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 does. I I I preferred the former version of Mandy Rose to to this one, but. Uh, it's it's it, it, it's interesting, and I'll leave it at that. Coming back to this abomination now, um, it was fine for what it was. I the the thing is, Lance Storm is supposed to be the baby face. I'm not crazy about him getting beaten nine times before you know <laughs> get, great getting out of the title. Nine, nine um, times he did look like a schmo. He he got pinned, submitted, pinned in a five count. Knocked out completely That's the problem It was fun but it doesn't make any sense And it honestly is only Fun and stands out More to me Because the rest of the show is such dog shit Yeah um, Now they brought Brett out And this is one of those things that The WWE Network is prone to do When they play Games with people's entrance music They overdub Brett's music and mm-hmm. because of the way they overdubbed it, you can't hear the pop. Yeah. That bothers me because you get the crowd getting what they want for the first time all evening. You get Brett making an appearance for just a couple of moments just to give the crowd a little bit of hope. And when you watch it to try to relive that moment, you don't hear the crowd at all whatsoever. <laughs> You see them standing. You see them cheering. You imagine they're going crazy, but you can't hear a thing. 
and it's so underwhelming. The Mandy look, there are a couple of uh, Mandy and Trish side by side that kind of look like when Trish went with dark, uh, the dark hair. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's fresh. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Um, it's kind of, the whole, but the whole look is a little bit different. Like yeah. the whole, the whole thing. It's, it's yeah. like. I'm not saying I like it better than a blonde, but it, it's kind of I'm kind of curious where mm-hmm. they're going with this. Me too. A little different. And I, and I think and I think she's better than people give her credit for it. And I would like to see her get a little bit of a push. I agree. In the ring, she is very much improved and she's gotten a she's lot strong. better. She's strong. Mm-hmm. She's really strong. She, she yeah. you know what the thing about Mandy, um, she versus some of the other, you know, someone like AJ, some who's smaller. She is not small. She is no. big. She's yeah. not tiny at all. So she has a lot of Muscle and she can do some pretty impressive things, as you mentioned. Very, very strong. Um, we move to Nash, who I'm going over, guys. I'm going over here. As uh, Nash tells us oh, wait, that, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that right. he backstage, that uh, I mean, he's with Pamela. He says Goldberg hasn't arrived. Goldberg hasn't arrived yet, man. There's a three-way dance coming, and uh, it's me, Skyner. Uh, you know who knows. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is Andrew's, this is Andrew's love right here. This is his line. He says, I'm only in it for, for the money and the titles. And, uh, you know, I beat Steiner anyways to get a title shot. Uh, but he's, no, he says, I'm going over Steiner. He literally says that. Yep. I'm going over him. Cause yes, we're so cool talking about going over and, you know, and just, it, it puts the people watching a show. If you're a kid at this time. And I'm at this point, I'm 13 years old, so I'm not as nearly as interested in this as I am, and I'm very much invested in WWF, and I'm getting ready to go into to high school soon. And this, if you're a little bit younger though, if you're eight, five, eight, ten years old, and you're watching this kind of a show, what the hell are you thinking? Daddy, what, yeah. what's going over? Yeah. Man? What is this? Oh. What is this? What is this? You're just I got asking. history at, at this point of wrestling. I don't even know if the dad's going to know. No. No, you're right. You know? This Yeah. This I, I hate all that stuff. I just it doesn't do anything for me. We get to the tag team championship match. Vampiro and Muda show up again. Here we go with the ICP song and the Dark Carnival and the crowd was really into the Lance Storm angle and Bret Hart and and all that stuff they were they were big into it. This crowd was dead for this entire thing, and this ends up going like what nine minutes or so after we've already seen these guys out there for twelve in another tag match. And Chronic's over; they're over with the crowd, but the crowd is just dead at this point. I don't don't know why you thought you needed to do this and go so long again. At the very end, you got the Harris brothers, a couple of real stand-up citizens, coming out <laughs> to the ring, and they uh, they attack Chronic. The referee doesn't see it, and we have new champions: the Dark Carnival, Muda, and Vampiro are your new tag team champions. I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it was like you said before; it's not the most offensive thing on the show. It's it's okay. It's uh, you know, it's a okay match with an okay ending with whatever meaning it has. I I don't know. Andrew, you got anything for me? Um, why am I supposed to care about the Harris brothers? There you go. That's my question. 
Uh, my other question is, why was Vampiro pushed when it became abundantly clear he had some stuff going on, wasn't a great worker, wasn't a terrific promo at this point? Um, I got nothing here. Uh, it's just, it's a case where the tag team scene in WCW in 2000 was a mess, to put yeah. it very, very mildly. We said our nice things earlier about Chronic. It just, we don't need to see them for 30 minutes on the show. I don't need to see them for more than five. They're a no. power team. Have them get all of their power moves in and wreck things and then leave. That's, that's what it. The, and that's, that's why the crowd was dead now, because we've already seen them multiple times. We saw them. Then they came out for a save. So they got another pop then. So this is the third time we've actually seen them. It's just too much. Those are the kind of logistics on a show that they were awful with. We head backstage again, Booker T with Pamela Paulshock. He says that Jeff Jarrett's going to have to kill him if he wants his title. Booker says, don't hate the play, I hate the game. As we get set for the three-way Nash versus Steiner versus Goldberg. And another instance where I don't like or think Nash and Steiner at this point or Goldberg, any of them. Signer at this point is not going to be confused for a ring general. If you gave these guys seven minutes and just had beat the hell out of each other, they do still feel like big stars. They do have a, a compared to the rest of the, the roster, they absolutely feel like stars. And there are parts of this match that aren't the worst, but the whole point of the match with yep. Goldberg not willing to Take the jackhammer They lean into that so much So Goldberg doesn't show up to start the match We've got Steiner and Nash going at it Then Goldberg shows up With bandaged ribs From the motorcycle accident There's probably Four minutes Three to four minutes of an actual Triple threat here And then it looks like Nash is setting up Goldberg For the powerbomb Goldberg backs out of it, and then they look at each other. That wasn't supposed to happen. (laughs) What? That wasn't in the script. You weren't supposed to do that. He's (laughs) shooting. You know, and and then Goldberg gets out of the ring. He starts to walk back. Vince Russo comes up to try to stop him, and he's screaming at him. Hey, you get back in there. I can't believe they actually haven't even cut this out yet on the WWE Network. <laughs> yeah. Still, when you? Goldberg <laughs> says "f you" there, and it's not—he's not mic'd up, but he's standing right there. You hear him just say "f you." I can't believe they haven't cut that out. Um, there's probably not very many people that have stumbled onto New Blood Rising 2000, except for people like us who want some punishment. You're welcome, America. Wait, 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 wait. What does that tell you? That it's not edited out. What it tells you is that this pay-per-view is such complete dog shit <laughs> that nobody who works in editing for WWE has seen this since the WWE Network was created. And they don't even know There's that three they have watches. to edit this out. There's three watches of this show since it's been over to Peacock, and it's this three these three. Can you imagine the analytics guys at the network looking like, hey, three people are watching this thing. I wonder what this is. Three hours later, 
Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like the scene from the social network when the guy wakes up to the phone call from the Harvard security team. You're you're saying it's unusual for four o'clock in the morning? I'm saying it's unusual for the Super Bowl. Phone <laughs> rings over at the WWE network. What's going on? Dude, we got oh. three watches of New Blood Rising in the last two minutes. Something's wrong. <laughs> There's an alert. It set off the alert. Uh, we get uh we get Asia, who was the WCW counterpart to China. So they yeah. had yeah, you get it, get, wait, folks, you get it? You get it? China now Asia. One, there's there's one other thing. There was an Asia and there was a mid-Asia. Yeah, yeah. And Asia hits the low blow to Nash. Steiner and Nash go on a little more. Nash hits the power bomb for the win. And after Goldberg leaves, Madden says, you know, Nash, he could have just punched him right out right there. But instead, he was a total pro like he always is. You know, just a total <laughs> pro. What? The guy who, what? What? And just. Babyface company guy Nash Tony talks about he. This is what Tony Schiavone The guy who has been uh, With the NWA And into WCW Heck he went over to WWF for a little bit And called like Hogan Warrior Stuff throughout you know in that era And good good stuff He was a legitimate pro wrestling fan Loved the whole thing He has to say what if the jackknife was part of this? What are they going to do now? Improvise? And and then Nash hits a DDT at one point, and they go, oh, my God. I haven't seen him hit a DDT. Oh, my gosh. Look, what, this he, this wasn't part of it. He hit a DDT. As if, as if they even, if they even had the script, well, the script, hey, I've called wrestling shows. You know what they tell you? Maybe who's going to win if you want it You don't have a list of the match Move for move You didn't know that the jackknife was Like none of this is again Even the things they're trying to do that are cringy They don't make sense Darren This is sort of like what you were saying before It's not only that it's such a cringe Thing that you go Okay well this is awful But at least awfully The execution of it made sense It doesn't make sense it just doesn't Add up Nope I, yeah, I mean, none of it makes sense. I, I just, I, but how could it at this point? I mean, all the stories are convoluted. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. The booking is all over the place. Yeah, I, I don't know what angles they're going for in anything that they're trying to do. And it's, it's basically so outside the box ridiculous that you can't even figure it out. Um, and I think we're normally pretty good at figuring it out. Can't figure it out. Don't, don't get any of it. Don't no. don't understand what's going on in Russo's head. Don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Don't know what they think is going to be the positive result of what they did. The biggest star that you have created in years. Let's have him be the heel and yes. we'll turn the big guy but, who is already disliked and just easily able to hate. But 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 you have your heel. Make like the baby face return to the ring with the bandaged up ribs. What? Like, what are you doing? What's the point of him not starting the match 
at all even that doesn't make sense i don't no. no andrew help us out with this one okay i can dive in and take a look at this so <laughs> let, let's just go back to the start here so after spending part of the show saying he won't be there we hear goldberg's music not once but twice doesn't show up they work a minute or two they get dumped out to the ringside area and here comes Goldberg with the ubiquitous taped ribs that Diamond Dallas Page had for about five years straight. I swear, that guy had the worst ribs of anybody, given how often he had him taped up. Um, so he runs out, and the crowd sees him as a baby face, not a heel. That's how you knew this wasn't going to fly. Goldberg never should have been a heel. We can talk about the streak and whether or not that should have ended. That's a legitimate conversation with points on both sides. The one thing we can agree on is that Goldberg never should have been turned heel, and it never should have even been considered. So they go in, and for a little while, they do the two guys in, one guy out type of thing. Um, Scott Hudson mentions Nash's uh, real-life stuff that happened before Starcade 98, talking about how he got on the booking team allegedly two weeks before the show and booked himself to beat Goldberg. Who cares two years later? Who cares? How does this play any sort of a role in what we're seeing as a wrestling fan? Why should I care? Just, oh, so bad. There was one good part to this match, guys. One good part. Scott Steiner gets a cover on Nash. One, two, Nash kicks out. And right on cue, it was one, two, you suck! Directed right at the referees in full view of the camera. <laughs> Big pop of Pump Scott Steiner, ladies and gentlemen. Like, the guy was already, like, he was going up. He was expecting Nash to kick out. And he's looking at the referee, waiting to tell him, you suck, in perfect time with his count. That is uh, something special. And speaking of special... We get Goldberg, the badass who could only be stopped with a stun gun, pushing out of a powerbomb, then leaving a match, walking up the ramp. He doesn't want to take it. Vince Russo came out, and he was through the curtain before Goldberg even left the ring. You can tell based on when they interact. Yeah, the timing is way off. Yep. He got got trigger happy. He went way, way early. Russo getting trigger happy to see himself on camera. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> anyway, so Goldberg curses Adam straight on air. We wind up with Steiner and Nash having to work. I think it was Mid-Asia and not Asia, because I think Asia was blonde. Mid-Asia was darker to you for the expertise I, I there. don't know. I'm just <laughs> guessing. Uh, but, yeah, it was bad. It was horrible. We wind up with Nash as the number one contender several years after he had any sort of a following as a babyface. Just no to all of this. And here comes the main event. We get a video package for Booker T, Jeff Jarrett. If this was your mid-card title match, I would have no problem with it at all. Did all. It just doesn't feel like a main event. It doesn't feel like the world championship of your program of your your company, especially no matter what you think about the 
crap match that went on right before it Nash, Steiner, and Goldberg feel like such bigger stars than these guys They just feel like they're so much bigger stars than them And Booker T's fine And Jarrett in the ring is fine He's not bad at all He's like Mr. Three Stars You'll get those matches out of him He'll crank them out Booker T's young, Booker T's excited They gave him an opportunity here So he's, Booker does the best that he can But even little things in this match Jeff blasts Booker with a guitar As we would expect Booker's supposed to be selling the the leg injury To start And he'll kind of sell it When he's You know On the defense But then as soon as he goes to Give some offense He's not selling it at all He's right back to full speed Jump this that And then he'll come back to kind of Selling a little bit and remember Oh yeah I'm supposed to sell this And it's not awful Their interaction is not terrible It just doesn't feel like something That you would want to be the main event And the end of your show Especially when a show had been this this bad This this was a type of show that needed Something fantastic at the end To really save it At the very least maybe a title change To a baby face That even if the match wasn't good But there was nothing here that was going to be able To save this show Darren It just is a average match That doesn't feel like it should be the main event Of a pay per view The start of a pay per view to start your new era all this stuff just flat. So, how about like <laughs> earlier in the show? Is it me or well, I'll put it to you this way, flat out. Did Booker T forget that he's supposed to fake an injury? It almost seemed like it, didn't it? Didn't didn't Booker T like wasn't didn't he get like his leg uh like slammed into a car door? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared attacked him. And and now ja- and, and then Jarrett spends like the first I don't know half of the match or whatever like going after the leg, and then like he's selling it, and then as soon as the tide turns and Booker you know starts you know taking over control of the match, all of a sudden his leg's fine, like he's not limping he's just back to normal. Yeah. And then after the match is over. It's like, oh shit, I forgot. And I'm supposed to have a bad leg. He limps off again. And he limps off again. <laughs> it was, I like Booker, but it was just, even the little things that you would expect more out of, you don't get the best interaction. These two guys have better matches. They they face yeah. each other a couple different times. It's just, it was very average to me, Andrew. Yeah, average is a good word. I had this at two and a half stars. It's fine. I mean, you're getting two decent workers who have been given an impossible situation of going out there and trying to redeem the entire company that has just spent the last two and a half hours crapping all over everything the audience thought they were going to see. And I wish there was a more eloquent or friendly way to say that, but it's accurate. The match isn't bad. Booker T and Jeff Jarrett worked a lot of decent to very good matches in the year 2000 and in early 2001. And there's a reason for that. They're both good workers, but it was just tough to see this as a, a main event match and B like anything I should have been excited to see after waiting through the previous two and a half hours, most of which are some of the worst wrestling WCW had ever produced Dating back to the Jim Crockett promotions days, that's how bad it was. 
Yeah, it was really unfortunate. Just a few small things that we we enjoyed on this show and not a lot towards the end, which is a, a bummer. New Blood Rising 2000, I got to tell you, unless you are forced to or you have to or you're drinking with your friends and want to laugh, like hate watch this, it's just not worth your time. It's not. I enjoy talking about it with you guys because it's so bad. But it ju- you just watch it, and there's not much that's redeemable. There's so few things that you go, oh, yeah, I understand where they're going or why they're doing that or this or that. It just, yeah, not great. And as quickly as we can move on from this show, the better. Mm-hmm. DZ, you can finish up and say anything you ha- else you have about it, and then you have the next pick, and we'll get to Andrew for some final thoughts. I really don't have anything else to say about it. I think we've said just about everything there is to say, except if you want, if you are interested in the historical perspective on why WCW went out of business so rapidly after seemingly conquering the wrestling world and defeating WWE throughout much of the Monday Night Wars, watch this show and it'll tell you why pretty quickly. That's really the only reason, though. That you should ever have to watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of get the stink off of it and get us to <laughs> get us to a show that is highly entertaining and it's excellent wrestling, so that we could actually watch something that we can just enjoy with no cleanser. Yeah, a palate cleanser with no real reason behind it other than that. Uh, NXT Takeover New Orleans 2018. Nice, uh, I trem- love it. Yeah, tremendous show. Uh, Gargano Ciampa in the uh, in the championship match at the oh I'm sorry the unsanctioned match at the end uh, Black and uh, and Andrade's uh, NXT title match um, Adam Cole is in there obviously undisputed era uh, Shayna Baszler Ember Moon in a great match uh, just awesome just, yeah just a phenomenal phenomenal uh, show from NXT probably I mean for my money it's probably one of their three best uh, takeovers of all time make sure and- to give. DZ a follow at the track seven there. You'll get a lot of uh, horse racing stuff from him on uh, social media nowadays, videos, posting with some of his selections, a lot of stuff for Twin Spires there. And DZ has had a good few months handicapping, good few months as a horse owner, spotting the horses very well. They all show up and run very well, due for a little bit of luck with uh, some better trips coming up, but they all show up and fire. They do. They do. No, and, that, and that's our credit to, uh, to our trainer Ethan West, who's a, a true horseman, has done a, a sensational job, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. We've got a couple of spots picked out for Churchill, for a couple of them, uh, two or three for Keeneland, and uh, and then we're kind of deciding where we want to go. You know, for for the winter, uh, somewhere south could be Florida, could potentially even be a place like Sam Houston, which actually gets rave reviews for the uh, the surface that they have down there. So, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of going back and forth between the two. We have a couple that might go to the claiming crown. So maybe Florida might be on the table with that. It's well, we'll see, you know, racing's a weird thing. You got plans three months out and stuff with horses. You never know. You really can only take it, you know, one, one race at a time. So, but it's, it's been exciting. It's been a lot of fun. We've got partnerships with other ownership groups. Now we actually just claimed a horse with, with 10 strike racing in a partnership, uh, Marshall Graham's ownership group. So that's, awesome the fact that you know we've gotten to that point in just 14 months where we're teaming up with other big uh you know ownership teams and and getting horses and everything so uh, it's been a lot of fun hopefully it continues to be 
Andrew, put a bow on this show for us and uh, give us some of your plugs where we can follow along. Well, you know, since y'all talked about Darren's accomplishments and everything he's been doing, handicapping-wise and ownership-wise and whatnot, and since I'm the heel of this show, I am just going to point out that I finished Saratoga with 142 top pick winners, dusting everybody from all sources of media to claim that title for a second time. Rain down some confetti. Give me a championship celebration on Monday Night Raw. This will be fun. Thoroughly enjoying that. Thank you. Thank you. Attaboy, Andrew. Andrew, can I know what? Serious, serious question, though, like about the strategy and how you accomplish that. It's a serious question because it is something that I noticed that I asked you early on. I'm curious what the end result was. How many wins did you pick up by picking a main track only horse on top in races that came off the turf? I don't know. And here's the thing with that. That was done because I'm picking further in advance than just about anybody. And Mm -hmm. Saratoga monsoons are a very, very real thing. That's not there. And there were some people who were saying, oh, he's just doing that to hide that he's picking chalk, whatever. That's not the reason I do that. The reason I do that is just because I want to cover myself in the event Saratoga monsoons happen. Absolutely. And if you don't if you don't think Saratoga monsoons happen, go on to Naira's YouTube channel, watch the closing day at Saratoga. Well, they come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what happens between races one and two with Lafitte Pink High on the desk going, God, three minutes ago it was a beautiful day and now it's raining sideways. Yeah. Um I'm not sure how many that wound up being but the strategy in that wasn't necessarily to pick up whatever or, or do anything like that. It was to cover my rear end because yeah, I'm picking give, so far in advance. Yeah, give all the info that you can out there, help people out if they uh, for either way. We do that a lot of times here. I like to try to get the shows out early, and with the racing schedule, races come out Wednesday. You take a day. A lot of the times, morning lines are out usually early Thursday. So I, I try to record stuff Thursday, give people Friday, and then maybe early Saturday to listen. And when you do that. Your way out in advance All we can do is maybe say Hey, in case this happens Or if this happens Here's who I would like In that kind of a situation Exactly Um, That's for sure Um, We do our best Where can we follow you, Andrew? And uh, where can we subscribe to Champagne and JD? AndrewChampagne.com Is that right? Yep AndrewChampagne.com Is where you can get All of my written stuff Unfortunately The one that I just put up Is a real downer Norm MacDonald was a friend of mine, came as a real shock to me hearing that he passed away earlier today. Um, So I wrote something up. It's on my site as sort of a tribute to him. As great a comedian as he was, and he was one of the best, even better human being. And there's a couple of stories in there that bear that out. So that was a real bummer, and I needed to turn to the written word to be able to get that stuff out because writers write. That's just what we do, for better or for worse. Also, Champagne and JD is up on YouTube. You can go subscribe to us there. Woodbine Mile coming up this weekend. That's probably going to be our main focus as we move forward. Uh, We'll see what happens as far as everywhere else. Churchill is opening up this weekend. Of course, no turf racing at Churchill Downs uh, this meet, which is going to be kind of fascinating to see what that does with field sizes and cards and whatnot. So still be around, still active, andrewchampagne.com. At Andrew Champagne on Twitter. If you followed along through Saratoga, know that I really appreciate that. And here's hoping there's more where all that came from. DZ Andrew, thank you very much. And I uh, 
look forward a little bit more to our next conversation <laughs> because I, well, I look forward to the prep before our next conversation. The conversation was wasn't say, bad. The conversation, the conversation was fun. fun. I look forward to the couple of hours that lead to our next conversation a little more so uh andrew dz thank you very much guys we'll be back again for another old wrestling rewatch next week and you can follow along with us with nxt takeover new orleans 2018 make sure to follow these guys on social media and uh, give us a subscribe there we'll be back in just a moment don't go anywhere that was fun. Bad show, fun conversation with Andrew and with Darren. We head to a much better show, one of the best ever NXT TakeOvers. Uh, 2018 NXT TakeOver New Orleans on our next Old Wrestling Rewatch. Big thanks to Darren. Big thanks to Andrew for helping out. And on our next episode, we are going to get into NFL Week 2. We'll have the game-by-game previews, analysis, everything with Eric. We'll get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll have all the weekend racing for you with at least one, uh, maybe a couple different guests to set you up for the big day at parks. But we'll also have thoughts on some of the big races uh, around the country. Uh, probably Churchill and Belmont most likely. We'll see. Uh, we'll take a look and see. Always uh, always down to uh, to check out some of the different tracks when they have got big days, big stakes stuff coming up. Santa Anita in a few weeks. We're looking forward to covering every day of Santa Anita's racing right And so much happening over the next few months as we get into the basketball season. We've got the Breeders' Cup coming up. We'll uh, continue with football stuff every single week here. This is how we love it. Action, action, action all over. We'll talk to you in a few days, folks. Joey, close this thing out.